Welcome to the 153rd episode of the So Video Games Podcast, where we talk about any game at all, including new stuff, old stuff, and anything in between. If we are playing it, we will be talking about it. Today, we are recording on November 11th, November 11th, 2019. I had to check my date real quick. Uh, my name is Brad Galloway. I am the editor of GameCritics.com, and 50% of this here show with me is co-host and raconteur extraordinaire, Carlos Rodella. Was <laughs> Welcome, sir. Welcome. How are you? I'm doing good. How are you doing? I am doing wonderful. I'm very excited to be recording with you. Very excited to be doing another show. I look forward to this. Uh, it's, like, it's like one of the high points of my week. I really enjoy doing a show, and I'm really happy to be doing it with you. Oh, yeah. And I love talking about video games, so it works out fine. It does work out. It's so weird that we're both here to talk about the same thing, (laughs) which I think we should probably get to. But before we jump into this week's games, just going to take a minute here and say that by popular request, Banter is back with this episode. Uh, We took it offline for a while when we were rebooting the show, but a couple of people have said, hey, where's the banter? I love the banter. I want the banter back. We hear you. We hear you. It was just kind of a momentary pause while we were kind of recalibrating, but I think that Carlos and I have found a little bit of a groove, so we're happy to bring it back. We will have some banter. It may not be like, you know, an hour's worth of banter, but we'll have some banter at the end of the show, uh, where it usually is. Also, even more good news, uh, the show is returning to weekly format. Beep, 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 uh, beep. Yay! Balloons, streamers, confetti. <laughs> Um, you know, we went to we went to biweekly, or I guess I guess I should say I went to biweekly uh, to kind of help with the transition after Corey took his hiatus from the show. But I think things are going real well. I mean, Carlos is like an amazing backup. Uh, I still love doing the show. It feels like things are kind of falling into place. So after a brief discussion, uh, we both decided that we're good to go weekly again. Correct, Carlos? Yeah, um, I have to talk about video games. They're all just like piling up and inside my brain, and we got to get them out of there. Dude, you're not kidding because. Especially this last week, I know, you know, I was looking at the calendar thinking, okay, it's going to be two weeks to the next recording. And I was like, I was racking up so many games to talk about. I was already forgetting about the first games as I was adding the later games. I'm like, oh man, two weeks is too long. I just can't, I can't do it. So I'm glad you're down. Yeah. And I'm also down with the banter because uh, we both like to talk and I thought, yeah, let's just do it at the end of the show, but we'll just actually just, you know, after we're finished done talking about video games, we'll keep talking. We're just going to keep on talking, see where it takes us. So, folks, um, as always, looking forward to your feedback, your thoughts. Um, You know, we really do want to know what you think, and we want to be responsive and give you what you want. So um, I feel like we're getting back into a good space, and I'm looking forward to kind of just getting the show back on a regular groove. So uh, thank you all for staying with us through this kind of transition. And I guess that's it. Let's, uh, other than reminding you to send us your thoughts, comments, feedback at Podcast. At gmail.com. I feel like we're ready to talk about games. Are you ready to talk about games, Carlos? I am so ready to talk about games. All right, let's kick it off. Kick it off for us this week. Now, this is funny because you play PC games. I don't play PC games. I famously don't play PC games. But you do, which is cool. I still love and accept you. Uh, You have brought (laughs) another mystery Steam game this week, and I have literally no idea what it is. On the script, it just says, like, random Steam game. So, please, sir, what are you bringing? I will uh, bring you something weird. And by the way, this is going to, I think, be an officially new thing every week. If, you, if you're down for it. I love surprises. Yeah. I like the idea because I play, yeah, a million cheap, weird Steam games um, <laughs> and or free. Lots of times they're free. Did, and, did you hear that sound? That's the sound of any developers dying all across the internet. Oh, cheap, no, 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 cheap no. Cheap and weird. Oh. No, but I love weird. You know that. <laughs> oh, I know. That's just hilarious. Yeah. It's hilarious. So this is a free one, 
Um, so anybody can play it. And I do like surprising you. So I think I'll do it every week. But this one is called NGU Idol. It's an idol game. I don't know if you can pronounce that, Nagu, but I'm God, guessing. What is, what is an idol game? What is that? Do you not know what an idol game is? I mean, I'm assuming it's about a Japanese pop star. Oh but what my is that? Goodness. I don't know what an idol game is. I don't know what we're talking about. This podcast is going to go very long while I explain this. Thing. Oh, no. We've no, already no. fucked it up. And when this is the first game, we Jesus. have fucked it up. Okay, hold on. Let me give you a quick synopsis. Oh, okay, yeah. Please do. Please do. Uh, NGU, by the way, I think is never give up. I don't know. I don't know why you called it that. <laughs> I'm guessing it's never give up. Um, so idol games have been around for a while, and they started. <laughs> oh, wait, 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 wait. Right, okay, so, okay, wait. You're, you're saying I-D-L-E, right? That's what I'm saying. Okay. I In my head, I heard I-D-O-L, and I immediately okay. think Japanese pop star. It's like, I was you know. glad I didn't have to do a history lesson. Okay, no, no, we're good. We're good. I, okay. I just like, Okay. They sound the same because English is like a trash language, right? So I it couldn't is. tell which word you meant, and I, I it took me a minute. We're speaking trash language right now. So You're so, so <laughs> trash. I'm with um, you. Okay, I'm sorry. I'm with you now. It's I-D-L-E. As, as in not active. Okay, yeah, sure. these games are where you just kind of lightly click and lightly check in on things, and they're just always going and doing something. And they were originated from the cow clicker, which Google cow clicker, and you'll, you'll find out how that all started. Um, so it's made by 4G, which is pretty much, I'm sure, just one guy. Uh, but he calls himself 4G. I might be wrong. If there's more people on the team, I apologize. But uh, <laughs> most of the game is told through these little text boxes that pop up, and it, it's from 4G. And he's like, you know, I'm just a person, or let's just say I'm the guy who made the game. So I feel like he uh, he's the main person. So what it is, it's an RPG-type-ish game. It's all just, you know, text and some really crude uh, cartoon, you know, graphics and drawings um, of little goblins and things you might fight and funny inventory items and all you do is you basically have to fill up uh different meters and you have energy meter attack and defense but what's funny is that all of it's tongue-in-cheek and all of it's like you know self-aware of like hit points and role-playing games and all those kind of tropes and so your hit points are like they started at like 1.000 million Oh, oh no! Yeah, no. and and so right no, now I think I do cr- numbers like that. That is crazy. It's crazy. It hurts your brain. And right now I think I have like fifty-five point zero zero three two million hit points, but it doesn't really matter because then like you meet a mouse and like the mouse has like you know five hundred eighty-five thousand hit points, and you're like, what? I don't. Am I better? Um, you get very confused. He's joking about all of it, but there definitely is math behind it, and. You're basically just training. So you're basically training your character uh, and getting your all your numbers up. You know, your energy up, your attacks up. You get new attacks instead of, like, you know, idle attack, which is just you sitting there attacking. You get regular attacks and strong attacks, all that stuff. Then you get defense and blocks. And it starts to get, like, interesting on how which ones you want to, you know, put points into. Because basically every second the game keeps adding points to things. So, so you're you just kinda... have this giant like skill tree and like the game just itself is like just like are you saying just like, you know, every one second you're getting like 10 points or 100 points or yeah. 1,000 points? Yeah, yeah, so yeah. you're you just have... like randomly like, oh, I'm going to put this in here. I'm going to put this in strength. I'm going to put this in 
defense and like that kind of thing. Yeah, and it's actually simpler than that. It's just attack defense, and then there's just different types of attacks and defenses, like blocks and heals and all that stuff. And it's just literally a plus and a minus sign. So you're just like going like, okay, I'll give this, I'll allocate this much of this, and it just keeps going. And so that's the first part, right? Not super fun. Um, but the fun part is the writing. It's so smart, and he's so funny, and it feels like you know Zork or Hitchhiker's Get Out of the Galaxy or something. Okay, okay. And and so the first boss you see because you fight bosses, and then there's adventure mode, and I'll tell you about adventure mode in a minute. But the the main one is is training, which is just like allocating your stuff, and then fighting bosses. So the first boss is like Lint, you know, <laughs> it's like a piece. What of lint. lint? Like from your pocket? Yeah, yeah. yeah. And then at some point, <laughs> it's like sewage, and then like you fight the sewage, and it says the sewage retreats from your onslaught of attacks. Either that or it just kept floating by in the river. Probably your tax, though. So he's joking, like, all the time. And what's crazy is that you go through so many of these bosses, in quotes, uh, and he has writing for all of it. You know what I mean? Yeah, yeah, yeah. So how many are you fighting bosses, like, uh, I mean, like, at a random interval, like, every 30 minutes or something? Or, like, when you log back into your... The, so, from being idle, is there bosses lined up waiting for you? or how Yeah, does the work? bosses are always available, and the, there's three modes. I should have said this in the beginning, but three modes are training, the bosses, which you choose to, to fight whenever you're ready, and then the adventure mode. So to finish up the uh, bosses is basically just explaining that there's a button that says fight boss, and you click it, and if you beat him, you go to the next one, and it just has funny writing. Um, like I met a mouse and it's like, he was like trying to talk to me. And then the, the, uh, messaging was like, no, no, no. Remember you're supposed to kill everything, you know? And then you uh-huh. kill a yeah. cute little mouse. Um, so that's what the boss mode is. And again, it's just kind of, I do it because I want to hear the funny text. Um, and then the adventure mode is really interesting where you don't have all those millions of hit points anymore. You just start with like 50 and you have to actively fight the things you find in the like sewers or wherever you're going in this adventure text adventure and so when you actively fight you know you're clicking buttons now and there's cooldowns and when you do that it's not easy it's like you're not like the strong ass you know person you built yourself up to be and i'm not sure why they separated it but in that mode you win inventory items and then you can get a bunch of loot and you know actually see really funny uh, loot items, which again is why I play this game because I'm trying to see all the weird things that are in it. So that's the general loop. It's just super simple to have in the background. If you know idle games, you can like set them up for like a few hours and just kind of get ahead real quick. Um, but it's just I, I'm playing it because the text is so ridiculous. It's always up on my computer. Couple of questions for yeah. you. Um, so you're doing you set it up and then you go do something else and then when you come back and there is there just like a bunch of stuff waiting for you like all you're doing is like you're checking in assigning the points checking that out and then leaving and coming back like in an hour or two right yeah and i don't even have to do that like i mean it's it's so it's pretty easy from the beginning that you can just get through a bunch of bosses uh they call them bosses i mean the first one was lint you know then there's a stick you know (laughs) and then there's like you know small mice but then you get to goblins stuff like that and it's a little difficult but I mean, I just do it when I want to hear some funny stories and I allocate stuff a little bit, but I'm not like caring too much. Right. He doesn't really want that. I think he just wants you to have a fun time and explore all the different things he's written, you know, in these little uh, stories and stuff. Oh, yeah, sure. I mean, I've I've played a couple idle games um, now that I know what we're talking about, and I think they can be pretty fun. Um, 
And so when you when you go into it, are you just like um, clicking the mouse on a menu and just like kind of watching things go? Like if you just sat and watched it, is it just like him like running forward on a little prairie or something? Or no. like what does it look like when you're when you're just when you're actually engaged with it? Yeah, there's a really good one. What is that one on PS4 I played? Idle Warriors, I want to say. Uh, I know the one you're, the Dungeons and Dragons one is yeah. the one you're thinking of. Yeah, I don't know what it's called right now because uh, I am 40 and my memory recall is absolute trash. That's right. That do. one. Yeah, that one has more animation and stuff to look at. This is nothing. This is just like, you know, eight old school, old school graphics. Like like 8-bit kind of the NES. Like MS Paint, you know? <laughs> <laughs> you know. I'm sure people are listening like, what's MS Paint? I don't even oh. know what that is. So that, Yeah, I'm, well, yeah. it's old school drawing program. Yeah, um, Yeah. no, there's no, it's not about that. It's just really about like, I didn't expect anything. I was just like, I'll try an idle game. It's free. And then I was like, oh, wait, this is funny. Um, so, yeah, I just, I just, uh, I set it up i queue it up i get a bunch of points i come in and i fight some new bosses just to hear some weird new text so sounds good what is the title of this again ngu idol and that's i-d-l-e i-d-l-e very important to make that distinction yeah Uh, there you go that's your weird steam game excellent excellent does sound weird sounds good though and you said free right Mm -hmm. hard to beat free okay cool um, let's move on. Before we move on, folks, I want to just apologize. Now that we've started uh, podcasting, I am noticing I have a little tickle in my throat that is not going away, and it makes me want to cough. And I am resisting with all my might the urge to cough, but it may it may happen a couple times during this podcast. If you hear me coughing, I am sorry. I will try not to do it in the microphone. I was hey, fine. It's our, it's our bodies. You know, we're, I mean, we're, yeah, meat space, dude. Yeah, we're here. I was 1,000% fine before the podcast. I think I'm just in a dusty room. And it's triggering my... Anyway, whatever. Mm. Um, if you hear me gasping for air, please call 911, Carlos. I will do that. Thank you. Um, I'm going to be talking about Raging Loop, which just came to the Switch. Uh, it was brand new when I wrote it down on the script two weeks ago, so I guess it's been out for two weeks. It is a visual novel from Japan. Are you familiar with visual novels, Carlos? I am. Okay, so this is an interesting one. Uh, I, I'm not the biggest visual novel guy, but every once in a while, one will really grab me and I'll kind of get sucked into them. But I don't play a lot of them um, in general. And the reason for that being is that most of them are really, really overwritten. And a lot of them require you to play through the game like tw- 10 times before you actually get like the true ending, which I think is asking way too much. Really? Have- most of them do that? Uh, that is so common. That is so common. When I find one that only wants you to play through it once, I like celebrate because I just don't have time to play a game ten times, dude. I don't. Oh, I don't even I didn't want know that to. part about them, actually. Yeah, that is very, very common. So um, this is one of those you got to play it ten times to finish it. But there's a lot of cool things that happen, and I think it's structurally it's actually really interesting. So the ba- the basic story is you are a guy on a motorcycle. You're going through the mountains of Japan. I don't know what you're doing. You're just you're trying to get from point A to point B. You take a shortcut or something. Uh, you end up wrecking your bike, and when you wake up, you're in this like really super isolated village uh, in the Japanese mountains. And uh, there's one person who's pretty normal, but the rest of the people in town seem like they're kind of weirdos. And they're like, yeah, you got to get out of here. It's not cool for you to be here. We don't want you here, etc., etc. But you can't leave. And basically what happens is, on the very first night, a giant werewolf comes in from the forest and just rips you up and you die. Takes you like maybe 10 minutes and you get killed. And so the game is like, okay, you died. But this is a visual novel where you got to play it 10 times. And what we do is we have a structure in the menu where you can see the different branches of each story. And if you do certain things, you can earn these keys, which let you go back, replay the game, and open a new branch once you get that key. So, like, for example, I died by the werewolf, and it gave me, like, the werewolf key. So it's like, okay, you died, 
But the next time you get to this junction, instead of dying, use this key and then the story will branch in a different way. So I think it's kind of cool. I like that key system. It's fairly similar to what other games have done in the visual novel genre, but it's very overt about it. Like I think the structure is very simple to understand. It's very approachable. And I think for people, you know, like me who only play a little bit of visual novels and are not like super pro on them, uh, being so clear about where to see new content and where to take a story branch is really welcome. So I like that a lot. And also, Wait, are you dying a lot then? Um, yeah, you die pretty often. Um, I didn't finish the game because it's actually pretty long and I could not did not have the time to get through it because I had a bunch of other things. But I liked what I saw and I think that um, the structure is really cool. And I do want to find out like what's behind all the werewolves and stuff. Uh, but it's it's pretty cool. Like it's got a little bit of a um, a dank and rompa feel. Later on, there's supposed to be some kind of a, a detective mode where you kind of figure out. Um, <clears throat> excuse me. You try to figure out who the werewolf is by using deduction and clues and stuff like that. But so far, I really liked it. I just jumped into it for a little bit, so I'm giving kind of a quick take. I don't have a real a real in depth view on it. But I like the system. I like the idea. I like the um, concept of being you know in a village and trying to find out which one of the villagers is a werewolf and. Uh, it oh, seems yeah. pretty cool. I just want to give a shout out to Raging Loop. I'm probably going to check uh, more of it out once the fourth quarter madness is over. It's kind of wearing down a little bit. There's a couple big games still to come. But once things are clear and quiet, I'm probably going to come back and hit it again. But Yeah, it's uh, not, I, when you first said dying like in the, early on, I thought of like, it's the Dark Souls of visual novels. <laughs> um, but um, I do like that mechanic a little bit because I... Now, when you first said, like, you had to try it, like, ten times, I was like, I don't want to do, like, a whole long, long story and then just, you know, I got the wrong ending and do it again. You're saying that's what some of them are? That is what some of them are, and that is not what's happening here. They're very understanding about that, which I think is really what makes it so notable, is, like, you can go back into the menu. Like, let's say you die, like, like in the middle of the story, right? So you know what happened to kill you. You, you start the new game, um, you go back into it, and then you can look at the branches of the story in your menu... And you can be like, oh, okay, well, I died at, you know, story choice number 17. I can go back to story choice number 16, and then I'll make a different choice and just pick it back up from that point. Oh, you don't start over. <clears throat> no, not so. Some games do make you do it, but this one doesn't, which I think is really nice and realistic and pleasant, and I respect that. So, yeah, you can like just, yeah, yeah, just jump back in and just pick it up where you died and keep going from that point. Like you're looking at a choose your own adventure, and you're kind of like just going back to the branch you want to do differently. It lets you virtually keep your finger on that last page. That last page. You, do you get you kids listening? Do you know, remember Choose Your yeah. Adventure books? If you don't, go to a bookstore. What are books? Bookstore. What is a book? Oh, no, no. We'll talk about books later. Uh, <laughs> <laughs> people need to read books. But anyways, yeah, that's what you would do. You'd hold, um, you'd be like, oh, I just died by slime or something. And you'd have to be like, well, let me go back to that last page and not die by slime. Yeah, yeah. So I like it. I like its take. Um, I'm going to come back to it. And I really like the mechanics of it. Um, I've heard some people describe it as like a, like a beginner's visual novel, which I don't know that I necessarily agree with that because I don't think there's anything mature or seasoned about having to replay an entire game. That seems kind of like wasteful to me. Um, but I like it. I like it. I think it's really cool. And if you are into the market for visual novels, this seems like a good one. Cool. Right on. Right on. Carlos, I'm turning it over. And it was on the Switch, by the way. Uh, that was Raging Loop on the Switch. Uh, Carlos, your turn, my friend. Um, this one is actually one I'm very curious about. I know you're bringing a quick take, but I want to hear everything you have to say about Indivisible. Indivisible. Yeah, I was going to bring this up a couple episodes ago, and I uh, either forgot or just got, you know, like us, playing a million games. Um, it's by Lab Zero, who did Skullgirls, which was a beautifully hand-drawn kind of fighting game. Um, and one of my friends at work is, like, addicted to playing it all the time. Uh, Lab Zero 
It is kind of like Valkyrie profile in the fact that it's 2D um, side-scrolling and action RPG. Uh, slight turn base in the fact that you have cooldowns. And it's also a platformer. So basically you play as this girl named Anja. Um, I always mess it up. Ajna? I think it's Ajna, actually. And it's really fun writing. And she is, you know, rebellious against her father. It's a lot of classic RPG-type tropes. And her father's like, you've got to learn how to fight. And she's like, no, I don't. I'm going to go over here. And then um, <laughs> this is exactly how it goes. And um, <laughs> Are you reading from the script right now? Yeah, yeah, yeah. No, no, I'm going over here. <laughs> and they're like, yes, yeah, sign off on it. Uh, disc is gold. Um <laughs> <laughs> Anyways, who needs editing? Just go who ahead. Who needs editing? Push publish. And then he goes to the town, and of course, the town burns down. Fuck, you know, spoiler by the way, but this is the first like second of the game. And classic RPG, like everything's gone. What happened? Um, and yeah, your dad dies. It's it's the first thing of the game. So you've got to figure out what to do. And you're, what's so weird is the killer. I'm pretty sure yeah, it's the killer of your dad. He's there, and you fight him or whatever, and you basically put him inside your head. And you're like, whoa, how do I do that? That, or, that That's a perfectly logical move. I think that's exactly logical. what I would do if someone had killed my dad. I'd be right. like, yes, I want you inside. Why, why do they do that? What happens? What is well, that logic? So the whole idea is it's kind of like Sukaden or something where you collect um, you know, companions. And so you're collecting these people to help you uh, battle later on. And he's the first one that you collect, and they all have different abilities, et cetera, et cetera. And they kind of go in a limbo state in your brain, and then when you're ready to fight, they come out. So then you know, the actual gameplay is you as Ajna running around doing platforming, and then when you get to a battle, you know whoever you have selected uh, who's in your party will come out and fight with you. Um, I just thought it was weird that you the first one you get is the guy who killed your dad. I'm like... No, it just doesn't make sense to me, dude. Yeah, it, it, it was it, it literally made me the something so small like that can throw me for a loop because I'm like, I want to be in in the story and I, that wouldn't happen. But they they joke about it. And she's like, I'm going to I want to destroy you. I, I, I don't want you in here. You know, so she's saying she doesn't want him in there. But for some reason, he's in there. I don't know why they did that. But the good news is this quick take. You meet a lot of fun characters. And I am bad and didn't write anything down of people's names. But one <laughs> one of the characters, we don't do that kind this, of thing This is so many games. We do no research. We take no notes. That's no not notes. how this goes. So there's there's a girl you collect at some point who's just like apathetic <clears throat> and like jokes about everything and kind of a, doesn't really care much. And um, she just like always points foibles out and kind of pokes fun at people. And she is so fun to listen to. So whenever she, you know, has a hot take, as you would say, on something, um, I'm loving her writing. Um, and then, yeah, basically the interesting part of the game is you platform, right? And you're running around platforming. When you see the enemies, they're on screen, not random encounters. You see them and you run into them, then it's going to turn into a battle. It turns into a battle right where you are, right? So that's kind of an interesting idea where, like, the background looks exactly like the background, right? Because it doesn't go to, like, a battle scene, so it's what happens like, if you're so okay? So I'm I'm trying to get, wrap my head around this. So like, it's a 2D thing, and you're running around and you're platforming. So what happens if? I mean, I don't know if this is possible. Like, what if you're on one side of the platform and the enemies are on the other side? Do you, are you able to fight? Like, does somebody fall into the pit? Like, is that even a factor? I heard on a podcast 
of someone talking about this that that can happen. Uh, I haven't encountered any weirdness yet, but I guess because they built that system, there's definitely bugs in it, right? So um, I haven't encountered it at all. And usually when I'm about to take on a monster or whatever it is, I look for an open area. You know, I'm kind of like mindful of that. Um, I don't think you have to worry about that, but I think it might happen here and there. Okay. All right. Um, Interesting. Yeah. The biggest problem I have with it, though, I have one big problem. I I really enjoy the artwork. I like the writing. And I actually like a lot of the characters that she puts inside her head. Um, But my my main problem is is the action itself of the RPGing, it's real time with those cooldowns. So essentially your character, let's say, is mapped to X. I'm playing on PS4. Okay. And on one pre- button? On one button, right? Oh, okay, okay. So you, okay, wait a minute. So are you so I I wasn't sure what you were referring to when you were talking about Valkyrie profile. Because that is a pretty old call out, but I have played it. So you're saying, if I understand correctly, that one character is mapped to each button. So, like, let's say you push X and that's your character. You push square, that's another character. Yep. Okay. And they, they just have the one ability? Or how, how do you change they, there's, the They have multiple button presses. Um, so, you have combos, essentially. Like, if you hit X, it shows, like, on your underneath your character, like, two Xs, right? So, if you hit both of them together, something will happen. If you hit them, if you get to run them all off at the same time, you get a combo. There's just different types of ways you can attack. Um, and then everybody can also defend. But the thing is, and this is why I stopped, put it down for a little while, is that the enemies, when they're fighting you, you can block them, and you can do a group block by pushing L1, which means everybody blocks, and that's pretty helpful. But it takes energy, and you know there's cooldowns and all these things, so you can't really do that all the time. So in order to block on the actual person getting attacked, you've got to hit their button, and that's annoying as shit because sometimes you can't tell what what person's going to get hit in your party. I was just going to ask, is there a way that you can tell, or do you just have to guess? You just have to fucking guess. Unless some sort of tell is happening that I'm missing. Which, by the way, if I can figure that out, if someone listening is like, Carl, you idiot, um, let me know. Uh, or I can actually use Google or something. But it seems like there's no tell. Because if there was, I would be having much more fun with it. But as it stands, I use L1 to block for everybody. And that just seems like... I just feel like I'm getting lost in it. Do you know what I mean? Yeah. I mean, if you had to block and you didn't know who needed to block and you were taking random hits, that would piss me off real quick. It sounds crazy. I wonder if it's a bug. I mean, that seems like a really bad decision. I mean, I haven't played the game, so I can't say for sure. But hearing you describing it, I'm like, how? I mean, there's got to be some way for you to know where to. I just, it sounds crazy to me. Maybe there's you know a glitch or something. Who knows? I don't. We'll, we'll take it <clears throat> offline and I'll look and I'll use the Internet to research. Uh, like something we should do sometimes. We don't do that on this show. I know. I'll do it off the show. <laughs> there. <laughs> yeah, yeah, yeah. Uh, and I'll get back to it. But it, I will say this. The art, awesome. Uh, the idea is really interesting with platforming. Um, and it's actually really fun to platform. You know what I mean? Like they built a kind of fun game to run around and traverse. You have all these different type of abilities. You can wall walk kind of in a way, um, jump off walls and stuff and there's, yeah, there's a lot of fun to be had there, and the writing's really fun. Um, I really like it, but I, I'm frustrated with the combat. So let me get back to you on it and see if I can revisit it. Yeah, let me know what you think, because I have, I've seen this one a couple of times, and I believe that there's even a demo, or there was a demo, or maybe it was a beta, that was available on PS4 a while ago, which I did play for like five minutes, but I didn't... Um, it, there just wasn't a lot there. I didn't play it for very long. 
Uh, but it got enough to kind of get on my radar and keep an eye out. But I mean, that kind of sounds like what you're describing is kind of a serious problem that I don't think that I would want to put up with for very long. So yeah, I mean, check it out. Let us know how that shakes down on the next show. And it's still something I'm looking at, but I'll, I'll wait for further info. Yeah, I'll give you some more info. Indivisible PS4. I like it quite a bit, minus the weird uh, attack defend thing. So let's let me see if I can figure it out. Yeah, check it out. I believe it's on like I think it's on every platform too. Last night, yeah, yeah, I don't yeah. know for sure, but I think it's on every platform. Uh, okay, couple of real quick takes here. Uh, first one is Reventure. Have you heard of this one, Carlos? I haven't. This is a weird one to me. So this is a two D pixel based side-scrolling indie game uh graphics are very basic like i think your main character is like six pixels or something it's pretty it's pretty basic um but what happens is it's kind of starts out like a zelda-like game where you're supposed to go to the rescue somebody and there you get a sword from a guy in a cave etc etc but the thing about reventure is that um every almost everything you do has a consequence and there's like an ending so the hook of this game excuse me i'm like choking to death here um the hook of this i know i'm trying not to i'm trying not to uh the hook of this game is that there's like i think a hundred different endings and sometimes you can get them just like really quickly for example um you you leave your house and uh you pick up the sword and the guy that gives you the sword is just like the old man in the cave just like in zelda if anybody has played you know the original legend of zelda um and he even says like it's dangerous to go alone it's like a pretty pretty obvious call out but if you pick up that sword and then immediately hit the attack button and stab him, he dies. Like, you know, it, it, it seems like he should be not able to be killed, but you can totally kill that guy. And if you kill that guy, then it goes to an ending and it says, oh yeah, the hero um, mysteriously killed this guy for no reason. We're not sure why he did that, but we had to throw him in jail because he's a murderer. Wow, and I then, love that. I love that. Yeah, so that's the end. Um, there's like every single, you can kill like everybody in the game and each one has its own different like weird ending. Um, if you do other things too, like if you... Uh, instead of going to the castle to talk to the king, if you jump into the water and just drown, it'll be like, yeah, he like walked into the ocean. We don't know why he drowned himself, but that's it. And the kingdom did not get saved. And like all these little things happen. So that's that's the hook of the game is like they want you to try to push the boundaries of the game to find all 100 endings. Um, some of them are really funny. Some of them are maybe, you know, maybe they don't land as well, but I think they're still kind of funny. But if you are the kind of person who, dig, number one, you got to dig into games because this game is indie as shit. Um, but if you like indie games and you like the idea of like every little action you have having some kind of a weird consequence and trying to do like stupid stuff to trigger an ending, then this is your game. That's that's what this is all about. I thought it was pretty clever. Um, I just dipped in for a few minutes. It wasn't something that I was going to play like all the way through right now. But uh, so you think you're going to get into that, Carlos? That seemed like your thing. Yeah, I'm like now really interested. Um, I'm just going to pick it up on Steam like in two seconds as soon as we're done with this podcast, because I do love a bunch of endings. Um, I'm wondering if they give you something special for like getting all of the endings. I believe they do. I believe yeah. they do. And just just as, as a side note, I only played like maybe half an hour of it, and I thought it was pretty neat. I thought it was worth bringing up on the show. Um, but Dan Weisenberger, one of our core Game Critics writers, he said that it's like very like in the running for his game of the year. He loved this game like more than more than anything else he's played. And also Mike Susky who is also one of our writers. Uh, he just turned in a second opinion for the Switch version, and I believe he gave it almost top marks. So yeah, we have I'm some really... picky people. We have picky people at our site, and both of these guys really love this game a lot, so just heads up on that. That is high marks on both of them, and that's uh, making me really interested. I'm Yeah, I'm going to get it right after we're done with this podcast because 
I like the graphics. I'm looking at them now. Uh, I love simple stuff. And this looks like a game that I would make. Um, I mean, it looks like a game that anybody could make, honestly. Oh, I know, but it's... (laughs) Zing! No. Okay, what I was going to (laughs) say, our audience might not know, but I make 2D games, and I love making them, and I'm working on my third at some point here. And um, I think you're giving me the cough. How'd you do that? The internet, dude. I don't know. It's it's weird. Transitions. like maybe it's like there's a dusty morning um yeah i i mean this is definitely something in my alley it's something that i would make um i love humor and i love being able to do like you know no npc is safe um yeah dude nothing nothing is safe in this game oh man okay let's uh i'm gonna get it as soon as we're done here all right if you get it come back at some point in the future give us a quick uh update let us know what you think of it that was next episode yeah next episode this was reventure uh currently on pc and switch i'm pretty sure one more quick take for you um so you know carlos i love a sale i love a good sale i check almost all the stores at least once a week just to see what's cheap on sale because i hate paying full price for a game i do i know that maybe that's not a popular opinion i know that maybe developers are frowning to hear me say that but you know you can't you can't buy all the games like no one. I mean, well, I mean, some people can. Well, wait, can. wait, hold on. Let's just pause here for a second. Yeah. Let's do a a so video games moment. Let's take so, a moment. Okay, so you know, I have the optimism. You have the pessimism. Let's just put that out there. <laughs> I have, I have the, or you have the, the. You know, you're looking for every sale. You're not going to buy things unless they're like some sort of deal. I buy everything almost at full price. Oh, man. You're definitely on the other end of the spectrum then. No, but see, look at this. Now they love our podcast because they know that at least one of us will be like, yeah, I'll buy it at launch for whatever you're saying. All right. Well, okay. We got it covered then. Carlos will buy your game at full price. (laughs) I will almost, almost never. I do sometimes, but almost never buy your game at full price. So I guess you're going to make a sale either sooner or later, but I guess you'll still make a sale. But uh, okay. Good to know. Good to know. Um, so, uh, so I, I love a sale. I love a sale. And, uh, I was on PSN maybe two years ago when cat interstellar went on sale. Uh, obviously like some kind of small indie game, you know, I love indie games. I know you love them too. And I love indie games that come to console because I don't play anything on PC. So I'm like, okay, cool. I'm going to take a look at this. Seemed like a sci-fi hard. I mean, I don't know. I don't want to say hard sci-fi, but it seemed like a sci-fi oriented thing where, you play some kind of a little like robo drone that is sent into a colony of androids to help them out with whatever tasks they need to do. Because you're a drone, you can fly, you have a couple like tools that are bolted to your chassis that the androids don't have. They need your help to do a couple you know, things. So you go to help them out and it's on Mars and it just seemed kind of like a, a thoughtful, quiet, you know, no combat, no platforming, just kind of a Hey, we're doing a sci-fi story. We're on Mars. This is we're gonna explain some stuff. It's gonna be cool. I lo- I love sci-fi stories like that. Um, I don't want to call it a walking sim, but it's kind of that flavor of where you're just kind of observing things. Maybe you do like one or two like super super simple puzzles, but you're actually just there to kind of like take in the environment, talk to the androids, that sort of thing. So I was really like, okay, cool. I'm, I'm checking this out. Bought it two years ago. Didn't touch it this entire hmm. time. Not for two years. I I would look at it every once in a while when I was reviewing my PSN library. And I'd be like, okay, oh yeah, I still have that. Cat Interstellar, yeah, I'm going to play that someday. And I just never got to it, never got to it, never got to it. And then this week, um, I had pre-ordered Death Stranding, which we are not going to talk about on this episode. No, we Um, aren't. But I pre-ordered Death Stranding, and I knew that was a big game, and I didn't want to start anything that was big, because if I started something, 
I mean, this was like the Wednesday before Death Stranding launched, right? And I knew it was coming out like on Friday. So I'm like, if I start anything now, I am going to drop it 100% for Death Stranding as soon as it comes out. And I don't want to do that. So I got to find something short, something quick, something that is easily digestible that I can get through. And I'm like, oh, 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 Cat Interstellar. I've heard it's only like a really, you know, couple hours long game. I'm going to check this out jump into it and it was perfect it was exactly the thing that i wanted to play because it was very short i think altogether it's like an hour um really it's an hour it's like an hour it's maybe even less than an hour it's like really really quick no i'm saying that because i I, i'll get to this after you talk about it but i have played it and i felt like i couldn't get to the ending no i I never got to the ending of it okay well we'll we'll talk about this in a second so i started up and i dig it i like i like the tone it's like you you start uh off as this drone, you're talking to the androids. The androids are like, oh, we're glad you're here. And it's it's ironic because the game is called Cat Interstellar. You are a drone. Your name is Dog. So I kind of laughed at that. I thought that was funny. <laughs> and it's weird because whenever you meet a drone, they're always like, oh, hi, Dog. What up, Dog? Or like, you know, like it's it's kind of, it's kind of, it's like a joke. It's a dumb joke. But I found it humorous anyway because I'm weak like that. Um, so anyway, it's, it's interesting. Now, you said you didn't finish it, Carlos. I know you probably played this a million years ago. Do you remember anything about it? Yeah, I just basically made a YouTube video of me like fucking Willow Physics and like putting the robots like on rolly things and making them roll all around. And you can like do some really crazy things. I don't think maybe that's why I finished it or didn't finish it because I just have fun with the physics Um, because there are definitely kind of like light physics in this game. So, yeah, I, I, I it wasn't it didn't catch up my attention enough. Like what was uh, the task at hand, you know? Yeah, yeah, yeah. So because of that, I, it turned quickly into me putting like rolly things and boxes underneath all the robots, and literally I can I figured out how to move them, <laughs> like move them around where I wanted them. So that I just started putting them up in the ceiling and stuff. And I'm a bad person. Uh, <laughs> <laughs> I saw your video, which was hilarious, and it's so I think what happened was this the people who make this game I think it's probably just like one guy basically or like one guy with like a little bit of assistance and I okay so here's what happened this is kind of a weird story to tell but so I play the game uh, and so basically the story is you're on Mars something goes wrong with this like colony of androids that are there they're supposed to be terraforming for people because Earth is in trouble because global warming because of course right and so you go to fix this thing. As you go down underneath the surface of Mars, it, you and this is not a spoiler, folks. This game is like 45 minutes long. I, I think I'm doing you a service by telling you this. Um, you find like these like ruins that are from like a Martian civilization. And so you're kind of exploring it. And as you go through, you get to the end of the ruins, a rock falls, you get crushed and killed, and then the screen cuts to black. And then it changes. You are a literal kitten. Uh, what you are a literal kitten on earth you're walking through some hallways and the earth is frozen you look out a window and you see the statue of liberty and then the game ends like the game is over what and i that's exactly what i said i'm like what just happened what the fuck is going on it just roll credits done so i didn't understand what happened we didn't meet the aliens on mars there was no resolution i wasn't sure if i was even dead what happened why am I a kitten? What is this kitten? Why am I looking at the Statue of Liberty? I didn't understand any of that stuff. So I jumped to the I jumped to the internet. To the internet. And a million people are like, fuck this game. This game has no ending. This ending is crazy. So I think what happened was, I believe the period when you were messing around with the physics was an earlier build of the game before there probably even was the story to be finished. 
And so it makes perfect sense that you would do the physics because that's really what that guy was working on at that time. I went to go look at one of his dev blogs and he's like, oh, here's the physics and all this stuff, which I think is different in the version that it played. It doesn't seem the same. Huh. So you probably played it before it even had a story and you were messing around with the physics. I played the quote unquote final version, which looks very much to me like he either got a job and decided to not finish the project or he just he died or something happened. Oh, well, let's not say that. I mean, I don't know what happened, but something happened. And this game is just clearly not finished. And he just like stuck credits and then called it finished and pushed it out to the store. So you like, know what it sounds like it sounds like a dreams game. A dreams game. Yeah, maybe you mean the upcoming PS4 design your own game thing. Not upcoming. It's been out forever. Is it out? Yes. I've been playing it. Are you are you serious? It's yeah, I've been out? playing it for like six months or something. Wow, I heard that was coming, and I have heard literally fuck all about it in this whole. Oh, time. I've been literally. I was doing like videos on YouTube of me just playing games. Weirdly enough, one of them was a, you were a cat, which is funny. I, so wow, I, there's these yeah. short experiences, and that feels like what you just described. You could have knocked me over with a feather because I had literally no idea that game even came out. I thought it was still coming out. That is zero impact in my game circles. Well, I you knocked not... me over with a feather on your ending to that cat Interstellar game because yeah, because there's the cat. cat by the way in the name. I just made it made no sense, and the game's clearly not finished. I guess he just dropped it and just moved on. Maybe he got a job, or maybe he got married, or who knows what. He just got bored with it. Something happened. The game we'll did reach not out get to him. Let's find him. Let's find him and find the answer. I tried, dude. You can't find that guy. Oh. He's, he, there's no way to contact him on his uh, dev blog. There's a couple of people who interviewed him, and you can't find any links. I found out what his name was, and I don't remember what it is at the time, but I searched his name seven ways from Sunday. I put out a call on Twitter. I'm like, does anybody know this guy? Does anybody? Is he working for anybody? Is he still in the industry? Crickets, dude. Fucking crickets. Hey, we had this podcast, so if you're listening and you know who made that, and you can get a hold of him. Hey, have him reach out to us. Yeah, I'm not mad or anything. It's not like I want to yell at him. I just want to find out what happened and, like, you know, what was his ideas for the rest of the story? Why did the game not get finished? I mean, I was really digging it up until this, like, really super, super weird and abrupt ending. So I, I was down with what he was doing. It just was so weird that it just died like that. So. It's like a mystery. We can do it like, you know, people like the mystery podcast nowadays, Brad. They do. So, they do. So this let's, is going to be like this, like the new serial podcast where we're going to see what happened to this guy. We're going to go talk to all his family, all his friends, go to the town where he lived, run okay, well, restaurants where he liked to be. You're doing a lot more than I was expecting. I, that's a lot of work. Um, I meant more like, we'll just do a check-in, like <laughs> sound effect, cat interstellar. Where is he now? Yeah. And then we'll give an update. Well, if anybody listening out there knows the guy who made Cat Interstellar, or if, if that is you, uh, please contact us, because uh, I could not find this guy. He just vanished on the internet. That's kind of one of the reasons why I said maybe he died, because like it just like, there's no trace. Couldn't find him on Twitter. Couldn't find him through any Google search. Couldn't find him anywhere. No one knew him, so I don't know what happened. But I'll anyway, do research. Yep, we'll yeah. do research. Anyway, Cat Interstellar, I think it's still on PSN for a couple bucks. I think it's on PC. Um, I mean... It's interesting. If you have a buck in an hour, you know, check it out. But, I mean, don't come to it if you want a story that ends. But, anyway, um, let's talk about a different kind of cat. Let's talk about Cat Quest 2, Carlos. Uh, what's up with Cat Quest 2? Yeah, let's talk more cats. Um, I love cats. And I love Cat Quest, which I played and beat. Um I'm in the I'm in the business of beating games, by the way, also. I really... <laughs> is that your business and is business good? It is. It is good. I really do want to know what this kind of final, you know, um, resolution or experiences for games. Um, 
which we'll get back to at some point in a future podcast about Death Stranding. But um, Cat Quest 2 is more Cat Quest. If you didn't ever play the first one, it's a top-down view isometric uh, of little 2D uh, graphics of cats and cat bad guys and a lot of cat stuff. And it's an action RPG, so you run around... There's an overworld map. You can fight enemies there, a la old school Zelda. And then you can also go into dungeons and fight uh, um, enemies there. And there's quests, obviously, cat quests. And there's like a million, you know, little quests. Like, oh, go help me do this. And then you go do something and there's a dungeon or a boss or something. And there's a million cat puns. So if you like puns and cat puns, you've got like every... I don't know, a few seconds or something. Um, most of the characters you talk to, you know, do things like, um, can you go get this for me? Pearlies instead oh, of please. Yeah. Oh, and then they call you your meow justy. I mean, there is just a ugh. million cat puns, ugh, ugh. which is scaring Brad. But the thing that I love every time, and it doesn't get old to me at all, is that usually when you're reading these texts, um, like if something bad happens or like shocking or rude or whatever, there'll be a little meow sound effect, but like, you know, it'll be affected on like how the cat feels. So if it's like something starting, it'll be like meow. Or if it's like, uh, you know, they want something out of you, they're like meow. So I can't get over it. Brad, you, I'm so Do you feel like they took cats into the studio and got like actual cat sounds recorded? No, in? no. not at all. No, Is no, it no. the developers making cat sounds? Yes. <laughs> yeah yeah it's it's just funny the way they do it it's like if you watch a cartoon with cats in it you know like what they think like a funny cartoon cat sound would be but i'm telling you you i play this game almost just for those sounds like i i keep waiting for a new text dialogue wing, window to pop up and see how they utilize it i won't go into it more than that but it's funny um, like mechanically tell us a little bit about this like what does it look like and is it like a you know like a jrpg sort of a thing or is it like a action platformer or like what does the action feel like and what does it look like yeah so it's just action uh like i said like isometric top-down view um zelda you know old school zelda okay okay, okay right i gotcha uh link to the past running around hitting things and you know be careful about what you're you know uh attacking because this overworld is massive right and you can go anywhere at any time that's that old school style where you can do you know, any area you want to, but the enemies are definitely leveled. So you don't want to get into this weird forest with all these higher level um, creatures because you you will just die quickly. So there's a couple of mechanics I want to talk about. One, um, you definitely have gear. So you can get gear by finding it in chests and stuff like that. And you also are two people in this one. So the original Cat Quest, you're just a cat. This one, you're a cat and a dog. And there are definitely dog type creatures in this world um and the it's co-op so you could do it as co-op or it's ai um for the other player and so i'm just playing with you know the ai and the ai is smart enough it's such a simple game it's like attack roll use magic attack roll use magic um and there's magic in the game so you meet these mages early on just like in the first game actually and they teach you magic and there's a little magic hut you can go upgrade your magic and there's healing magic there's attack magic uh, and also all the gear does different things. So some gear is for adding strength, some is for adding health and defense. 
Uh, so you have to like you know have different builds if you want uh, and different magic abilities. And all the magic is like uh, tied to certain buttons. So you can do many, many types of magic right away. Like you, I can attack and I can also heal. Uh, I don't have to like you know have that a loadout. I can be at the same uh, just map to a different button. So essentially, you're just rolling around the overworld map, looking for quests, uh, fighting monsters along the way to get gold, and you know just kind of getting your skills honed. And then you see caves everywhere, and all the caves have simply an, a level on them. So you're never like confused if you should go down there. Just like it's a big like, number right above the cave. Yeah, entrance. it's just level ten, and you're like, okay, well I can't do that yet, but when I get level eight or nine i probably can um and yeah you can kind of beat things that you shouldn't beat you know a couple of levels up higher than you if you know how to roll and, and dodge and the number one thing about this game is rolling uh, and it was in cat quest one as well so you most enemies uh do like area of attack so they'll do aoe attacks right around their body uh and those are like timed so you'll see them like jump up in the air and like slam down and you'll see like a red ring around them and that's obviously your damage ring so you want to like attack get in attack roll away get in attack roll away and that's your main mechanic until you upgrade your magic better and then magic is pretty you know massive in this game and you can't not use it so this isn't like i'm gonna be a melee build which is what i always do you have to uh use magic all the time so it's it's the mixture of melee and magic and picking different loadouts. And then, yeah, just it's such a good game to play for five minutes, ten minutes, half hour, and then just put it down. So that's that's why I love it so much. It was the first one was the same way. And I ended up beating it because I just kept going back to it and playing like 30 minutes at a time. And it's just really fun, man. Um, You said you finished this one, right? Cat Quest 2, you finished it? I finished the first one. I didn't finish. The oh, not the first. Okay. I mean, yeah. is this is this the kind of thing where it's like, um, you know, like six hours, eight hours, like a good weekender, or is this more like, is it like much longer than that? Like, because it I, sounds, you know, cute enough and stuff, but I don't know. You're not describing anything to me that sounds like I would want to sink like forty hours into it. I mean, is it is oh, it that scope yeah, or like hours. what? Not that long. Okay. Yeah, I, I think I can't remember the first one because see, the thing is, I played it in these short bursts. So it wasn't like I could tell, you know what I mean? Like mm -hmm. old school RPGs or something more um, heavy duty, I would think about how much I'm playing it. But yeah, I think 15, 20. I mean, it, it has a lot of quests. Okay. okay. Um, but again, it doesn't feel like 20 if you're like taking it in slow little chunks. So right, right, right. Okay, it's cool. just funny too. It's funny writing and, and the little cat sounds. I mean, I'm a sucker for cats. Um, I am not. I don't. You like are that. not. I am yeah, not yeah. a cat person. So that you're not really selling me on any of this. Although it sounds like I didn't, a cute enough game, but yeah, I didn't think I would sell you on this game nah, at all. Nah, no, then you didn't. So I guess that worked out. But uh. <laughs> when the cat gets hurt and he does a meow that sounds like a hurt meow, oh my goodness, I <laughs> I can't even. I can't even. All right, I'm sh I'm sure we have plenty of cat fans listening to the show. Yes. I know disrespect. I'm more of a dog guy. If you're a cat person. Totally fine. Still love you anyway. But uh, this game I'm going to give a pass to. But if you're a cat person, it sounds like it must be your jam. All right. Tell me about Mistover. I'm, I'm intrigued. All right. Moving on to Mistover. Uh, so Dark Souls was a thing that happened. And also uh, Darkest Dungeon was a thing that happened. Uh, and also Etrian Odyssey was a thing that happened. Um, so Mistover is kind of like taking all of those things and kind of like rolling them all up into a ball and kind of like coming up with a 
a big kind of like I don't know mixed up cookie dough that kind of has all of those flavors but is but his own sort of a thing are you familiar with all those games Carlos um, yes but now I want cookie dough uh, I don't have any for you after the show we'll get you some Hang I'm looking at the graphics it looks like darkest dungeon yeah it really takes it takes the most inspiration um, from darkest dungeon did you play Darkest Dungeon, by the way? Yeah, I, you know, me and Dark Souls games, I did not enjoy it too much, but right. I love the aesthetic. All right, I love Darkest Dungeon. I am on record as being one of the biggest Darkest Dungeon fans out there. Um, so this looks a lot like Darkest Dungeon. That was actually what got me my attention because I looked at it. I'm like, oh, this looks like they're taking some cues for that. And much like, much like Souls likes have popped up in the wake of Dark Souls, we are now starting to see a wave of like darkest dungeon likes where a lot of people are finally being like oh that was a cool game we want to copy that so we're seeing some clones they definitely take cues from that art art style wise uh, but it also plays a lot like etrian odyssey did you ever play etrian odyssey yeah but it was so long ago i forgot you have to remind me it is the, it was on 3ds and it was a one of the games that really actually used the 3ds to greatest effect where the top screen was your visual like you're walking around in first person in these um, different labyrinths and the bottom screen was a map, and you used your stylus to draw your own map. And that was the oh, big hook yeah. to that game, where you take a couple steps forward, you draw those steps in on your map, and then by the time you're done, you've got a map of the whole place, and so you can easily get around. I mean, drawing the map is actually pretty cool and fun, and I thought that was really neat. I played a lot of the Etrian games. I was a big fan of that series for a long time. Um, so this Mistover basically takes the visuals of, and style and world of Darkest Dungeon where you have kind of a central town, you talk to little shopkeepers, but ba the whole game is basically being dungeons. And it takes the structure of Etrian Odyssey where you have a party that you can put together from different people. Um, you're going through labyrinths. The point of it is to like map out the labyrinth and there's all these different characters that you fight. Um, it goes into JRPG style battles when you get into a battle, which seems to want to take a lot of influence from Darkest Dungeon. They don't quite pull it off though. Um, for people that don't know, Darkest Dungeon, one of the great things about that, which is a marvelous game, by the way, really, I love that game. Um, you had characters whose abilities were dependent on where they were standing. So, for example, in Darkest Dungeon, if you had a knight, if he was in the front of your attacking row, he could do like a sword swipe or he could put up a shield. But if he was standing in the back row, all he could do would be like light a torch or sing a song or something like that, right? So, like, it depended on where he was standing and so positioning was really important because your characters could do different things based on how you had your party set up physically really interesting idea it worked out really well very very cool um mistover tries to take that same idea but they try to map it into a jrpg format where you've got your heroes on the left side of the screen enemies are on the right side of the screen and then it's turn-based it doesn't quite work out exactly as tight as it did in darkest dungeon because you've got in Darkest Dungeon, there was only four potential places your characters could stand. There was, um, you know, uh, four people standing in line. In this one, there's, I think, nine or 12 different spots where people can stand. And they, they're not really great about menu. Like, the menu is not really super readable, and they're a little bit murky about that. And they don't do a great job of explaining what the powers do either. And so it doesn't feel like it makes as much sense to try that same kind of a system here. Uh, but I played uh, a couple hours of it, and... It, it feels like a very slow play, um, very slow play. I, it took me longer than I thought to get through like the starter dungeon. And then I went to the next dungeon and I'm like, okay, I get, I get what's going on here. Like they want me to do an E-Train thing with a Darkest Dungeon style. That's cool. But like I've played Darkest Dungeon and I love it. And I've played E-Train Odyssey and I love it. 
And this is not as good as either one of those things, so I'm mm. not sure that I want to play this game. But, I, I I didn't sell you on Cat Quest Two, and you did not sell me on this so far. <laughs> yeah, I don't I don't I, I wouldn't recommend this to you at all, man. I mean, if there's somebody out there who really 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 wants a brand new Entry and Odyssey game, because I think they're the series is on hold, and maybe it's coming to Switch. I don't know, but I think it might be over as well because I don't think any game system out there can pull off the map thing. Uh, currently, But anyway, if you really want a new Etrian-like and you really like what Darkest Dungeon was doing and you feel like you want those two things to be connected, which honestly seems kind of like it might work on paper, mm. I mean, check it out. It's not like I hated this game, but it was like I've already had this experience with where the experiences originated and I don't really want to have a copycat experience. I mean, I don't even want to say copycat, but it is a pretty close... I mean, it's, it's fucking obvious where these guys are getting their inspiration from. It's pretty clear. Yeah. So I'm like, okay, well, I mean, this is neat, but I've already played the originals. I don't need to play this thing. So, but I'm sure somebody out there would like to check it out. It's an Etrian Darkest Dungeon like that plays kind of like a JRPG, and it seems huge. If you want to sink like a million hours into something, I get this. I'm betting this game is a million hours long. So. At least. At least. At least. So yeah, that's, I think I think yeah. that sometimes when you have like Darkest Dungeon and stuff like that, you have these novel ideas or Etrian Odyssey. It's like they're just there's so much its own thing and yeah, they don't try yeah. to be a couple of things they're like no we're just like a really difficult game where you all stand in a row uh or you draw your own map but this is you know mixing the two it sounds like it might get lost in uh both genres or something yeah i mean clearly they were fans of those games and for good reason both of those series are awesome but i just don't feel like it really brings enough of its own flavor and it just doesn't I'm just like, like, why? Like, why are you guys doing this? Like, it doesn't, you know, like, it's not enough to stand out on its own, I guess. It just, copying something else is fine, but, I mean, you got to add your own spice to it, and I'm not sure that this game adds its own spice, so. All right. Missed over. I played it on PS4. I believe it's on everything. I'm Switch and Xbox and PC, I believe. So, let's move on, Carlos. Beholder. Okay, Beholder 2. I'm, I'm not sure I'm thinking of the right game. Beholder 2, is this where you play is like weird little silhouette people and it's like an eastern block sort of a game where you're like spying on people or something like that yeah that's it but what's funny is you said you didn't you weren't sure which one this was and i wasn't either and so so that's why i kind of was uh not uh smitten with this because okay. i was confused by what it was um and let what me did you, what do you think it was well, because I, you know, so there's so many uh, games, again, going back to the kind of copying or seeing a genre and, and, and doing it the same thing. Limbo, an incredible game. Sure. I feel like ushered in a ton of this like kind of silhouette look. Limbo likes. There's a million Lim of them. Limbo likes. And then uh, there was this one with a, there's like, um, you're playing like with a brother or something and you're trying to help him. I forgot what that one oh, was. Oh, yeah, that was called Brothers, yeah. No, not Brothers. Uh, there's another one where... Yeah, there's just so many of them. Um, so I think I just assigned it to the limbos of the world where it was going to be a platformy kind of game that's dark. And, you know, also there's this kind of like overarching uh, government type stuff, you know, and, and you know, um, creepy stuff you got to figure out. But it's really kind of a choose your own adventure. Um, oh, really? Okay. Is it I mean, and, okay. okay. And the, you're still walking around and... and and talking to people, but it's it's really about yeah making uh, decisions and investigating things and figuring things out. And I just was like way thrown off because I thought it was like 
you know, left to right and also the weird kind of story stuff playing out. But it's not that it, you don't there's no platforming. And the biggest thing is you play a main character that um, doesn't control well at all. You mean just like moving him around in the environment? Yes, not not easy. Like it's I don't know why it's difficult. I'm playing on a PS4. Like to go left and right was like a pain. Like I, I mean, that seems like a pretty basic thing a person should get right before they make an entire game. What what, what do you mean? What do you mean by move? It's difficult to move around. I can't explain it. You know what I mean? Like I don't <laughs> understand. I was just like, I was hitting a controller left analog, and I wasn't going anywhere. And I don't know if I was holding it wrong or something, or it's just buggy. Uh, and also, I was kind of under the assumption that this was going to be a platformer. So I was like, why this should be easier? And oh, I can't, you know, do any moves or anything. So that aside, um, this is kind of a quick take because I really didn't like get too far into it. Um, was thrown off on, you know, the whole thing. And then in the beginning, you basically go to um, you're a main character, and you go to I don't have a ton of information about the game because I only tried for two seconds. But your character is a silhouette person and is basically at this um, corporate office, and one of your jobs is to kind of like go through people's papers, which is like Papers, Please. Um, very good indie game. And, you know, after a lot of, like, dialogue windows, which was way too many for me because I was, like, blown away that this was not a platformer game, <laughs> I get to this window and I'm starting to, like, process people, you know, like, and check on if they, uh, you know, if there's something I should be fishy about them or whatever, if I should process them through and I literally was like, fuck this game. Like, I'm like, I don't, wa- I don't want this type of game. And then I was like, wait a minute, am I Brad? I, I just said, fuck this game, and like super early on. No, I'm just kidding. Uh, yeah, well, I, that doesn't I just, sound like you at all, Carlos. I'm I know. Surprised. I didn't feel like me. Um, so I want to go back and give this another try because I, then I looked it up on YouTube and I was like, no, there's more choices, and you're definitely trying to figure out stuff that's going on in the world. Um, I, I'd also like. It's such a thing when you play so many video games, you have to be in the mood for a certain type of game. Absolutely, hundred percent. And when I when I again was thrown off that it wasn't that, then it was like this processing game, but it's not really that either. Because then I finished that and I had to like go talk to some other person and talk to some boss and figure out what their motive was. I was like, I don't want to figure stuff out right now. So I'm gonna take a pass, a mini pass right now, because I wasn't in the mood for that. <laughs> But I don't want to say because the developers built something interesting, and so I want to try it again, and that's my quick take. Well, that is very diplomatic and fair of you. I know <laughs> the feeling of expecting one thing and then getting something else, and maybe that's not the thing that you're in the mood for. I mean, I'm totally like that as well. I mean, I I really got to be in the mood for something, and if I'm not in the mood and I try to play something, it just it just goes bad. Like, I... I end up not liking my time. I end up nitpicking the hell out of whatever I'm playing, which is not fair to the game. And so I try to avoid that at all possible. I mean, I, you know, we're a first world society here, or at least for the moment anyway. And, uh, you know, we have usually have the choice to play something or don't play something. So I try to, I try to not play things if I'm not in the mood, just because I just know I'm not going to give it a fair shake. Right. That's so I get, exactly I get it. what you're saying. Yeah. So I, I put it down and I was like, wait, okay. So not right now. Cause I'm confused. Um, but the more I look at some of the YouTube videos, I, I do like what the story they're trying to tell. So I do want to know what that is, especially right now in this country with all the kind of stuff with the politics. So um, interested? We'll get back to it. 
All right, and just and just as a really really quick um, heads up, I I did a quick search as we were talking because I this game sounded familiar to me. I have not played this one. I don't know anything about it, but. The first one was reviewed at Game Critics. Um, I think it was Mike Susky that reviewed it, and I believe one other person reviewed it for a second opinion on a different platform. But you you basically play like a person who is um, spying on people and then informing to the government, and you have to make decisions about: Do I turn this person in? Do I help them? Or do I you know do I keep their secret or do I not keep their secret? So there's a lot of political stuff in it. I don't know as much about it. I need to go back and reread these reviews. It's been a long time. Uh, but that's kind of what the game is, and it seems like this is just more of, you know, like they, they changed the style of it. Uh, but if you want something political, uh, if you want something that's, you know, very Eastern uh, European flavored, uh, that is this game. So, Carlos, maybe when you get a, now that you know what it is and when you the mood strikes you, maybe give it another whirl and come back and let us know what it is when you are in the right mindset for it. You know what? Okay, I will, I will say one thing, though, because when you described it, because um, I described it terribly, so thank you for that, um, is... Yeah, you, 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 I think the biggest problem I had with it, and maybe another reason why I kind of didn't get into it right away, is that, yeah, you are investigating things. Yeah, you. one of my first jobs was to check out people and look at their papers and see if I should trust them or not, right? Um, I don't think I understood why I was doing anything. And I think the game didn't do a great job of starting me out with like, this is who you, who you are. This is what the fuck you're doing. And this is why you should care. So some of my details are loose because I didn't really feel like I got them. It was one of those games where like, we're going to tell you stuff later. You know, you're going to learn oh, about okay. what, yeah. what's going on later. And so as I moved around terribly, um, <laughs> I, I just didn't feel like compelled. So I think that that in my defense is why I didn't understand what, why I was investigating stuff. You know sure, what I mean? Sure. Sure. I mean, yeah. I think that's fair. And I mean, honestly, I mean, maybe they were expecting you to know the first game. Maybe, you know, sometimes developers make that mistake of assuming a player knows more than they do. Or like, of course you played my first game. Why would you be playing number two if you didn't play number one? So I'm not going to bother with the explanation. I don't know if that's the case in Beholder. But, you know, I've played many games where the the developer wrongly assumes that the player has more knowledge than they do. And, you know, starting starting things is hard. And a lot of people don't get it right. So I don't blame you if you feel like, a, you were expecting something totally different, and B, you didn't really get walked into what it was properly in the first place. Yeah. I mean, okay. that makes sense. So, All right. We will get back to Beholder 2 at some point in the future, um, but there you go. That's a game that exists. You can check it out if you like. I am going to move on to a game which is both great and hugely disappointing. Uh, I am playing... I was playing Sea Salt, which is made i think by two people came out on the switch it's also on pc i don't know if it's on the other platforms it may be but it's very low tech so i wouldn't be surprised it seems like an easy port to two other platforms basically uh have you heard of this carlos do you know sea salt i haven't i'm looking at the graphics now do no research for the show we don't do any research um so what happens is you play okay so you play a minion of dagon who is like one of the lower subordinates to cthulhu so it's got kind of a Lovecrafty kind of feel to it. Um, what happens is uh, you've been helping the archbishop of this little oceanside town. You've been giving him, you know, Cthulhu benefits. Um, I mean, that maybe that has a different connotation than what I meant it to be. But uh, 
That's a whole other podcast. That's a whole other podcast. We're not going to get into Cthulhu benefits right now. But, uh, you know, you've been giving him money. You've been giving him power. You've been giving him dominion over the town. And he's been your faithful servant. And then one day, Dagon is like, okay, you've had your run. Now I want you to sacrifice yourself by throwing yourself in this pit. And the archbishop is like, nope, not going to do that. So he decides to rebel against you. Uh, so in revenge for him not being a faithful servant and killing himself when you ordered him to, you summon all of these like Cthulhu-esque monsters to go and kill him. So what happens is the archbishop leaves, he sends his knights out on the attack, he barricades himself up in a castle, and you, uh, the the Dagon Cthulhu spirit guy, you, you command these monsters. It ends up being a little bit like um, Pikmin. Have you ever played Pikmin? You know Pikmin, mm-hmm, Carlos? Mm-hmm, mm-hmm. Okay, so you do not see yourself on screen, but there's a little cursor that you control, and you can summon different kinds of monsters. Um, each uh, there's each one has its own strength and weaknesses. Like one monster is really great at attacking, but is weak on defense. One is really slow, but he's really hits hard when he gets you. One um, causes people to walk slower because it leaves a trail of slime behind him, etc., etc. Like if you've read Lovecraft or you know like the Cthulhu mythos, like they're all the monsters here are vaguely like of that sort. And so you choose which monsters you want to summon and then you command them Pikmin style by using your cursor around the environment and then the monsters will go follow the cursor where you direct it and then when you push a button they will attack whatever is nearby. So you're basically taking a mob of these like monsters and just like ransacking the town. Each level is like one part of the town. Like one part is like the docks. You go to the docks, like rip that part up. You get to the next part, it's like, you know, the the wharf or something and then you get to like the the town like the lower part of the town the upper part of the town um so it's 2d top down really super super basic pixel graphics but i think it looks good for what it what it's trying to do i think that it captures effectively the dark kind of cthulhu-esque kind of tone to it and i think the idea of being a swarm of lovecraftian monsters like rampaging through town is pretty dope like i'm down with that concept uh you and it's interesting because there are different enemy types which have different movements so like for example you get to the village and one guy has like a torch and so you got to kind of wait for him to take a swing with the torch and if he misses you uh, you know you pull your monsters back he takes a swing he misses then you like surge them forward and like overtake him when he is still trying to recover from the swing there's other guys that like have like a rapier and you'll see them like charge up and you got to get your monsters out of the way let him take his swing with the rapier he'll like dash forward and then once he misses then you like come in and get them so there's little micro strategies for each little townsfolk person that you find and your monsters are not invincible i mean they can be killed pretty easily they die by fire they die by the sword they die by whatever crossbow bolts or anything and so it's really easy to fuck up and the villagers will just gang up on your ass and just like kill all of your little minions so that sucks when that happens but i think it's a really good level of strategy it's not just commanding a giant horde you can't just like um, you know, like in some RTS games where you can just build an army and build it and build it and build it and build it and have this giant army and just like swarm everything. Like you can't do that here uh, because you need certain resources to summon your guys. Yeah, how many and, do you have you, normally? I mean, it kind of depends on how well you play. Um, certain monsters, like if you get the small monster, you'll get like 12 of the small monster. If you get the big monster, you'll get like one of the big one. And so you kind of decide yourself, like what level am I in? What enemies am I fighting? Which enemies are better against which other enemies? And so if you don't lose your guys, you'll eventually get a pretty good sized army, but it's really easy to lose them. And, you know, different types are good against other things. Like sometimes uh, certain monsters will be resistant to fire. So you have a bunch of those guys, but then you'll come up against an enemy that's got a sword and not fire. And you're like, fuck, 
these guys just got killed. And so you kind of constantly switch your, your party up and kind of like summon new guys whenever you can. Um, at the most, I mean, I think I probably had maybe like 20 or 30 at the most. But usually you're, you've, you've more got like 10, 10 monsters or something like that. Five monsters, 10 monsters. It's not like a giant army. Like it's a, it's a small mob, I guess, basically. Right. And they're not like, you're not they're leveling them up then, right? No, no, no. Like yeah, they yeah. just, they are the way they are. Like your guys never level up. You just, you summon which guys, they have their set powers, their set life, their set abilities. And they just, they don't change like that. But you do get more as the game goes on. You unlock more different types as the game goes on. You get like a guy that can bring um, some of your uh, dead enemies back and fight for you. There's like a healer that heals your army up. There's one guy that bursts into smaller guys if he dies. There's all sorts of little uh, little different additions that, that go as the game goes along. So um, good strategy in the levels, pretty fast action. I like the way it handles. There's a pretty good level of challenge, not overwhelming, but uh, it's not a cakewalk either. And there are boss levels where the bosses have little tricks to them. And you've got to kind of figure out, you know, what mix of enemies is going to be the best, you know, uh, best strategy for whatever boss you're up against. I mean, overall, really good game. I love this game a lot. I was really, really digging this. Playing it on the Switch, really liking it. Uh, had a great time with it. And then what happened was I hit a bug where some of the monsters that I had unlocked into my army were being removed from my roster and I could not use them anymore. So, oh, great. Yeah, big problem. And at first, I wasn't sure if it was a bug or what was going on. Um, but I reached out to the developers, and they're like, yeah, it actually is a glitch. We are working it out on Switch. Um, it's not on any other platform. Something about the Switch platform fucked up their game. And so what ended up happening was I was progressing through the levels. I got about three quarters of the way through the game, having a great time loving it. And I unlocked some of the higher level monsters that you're supposed to, you know, that you need in order to keep progressing. You get your tougher guys. And the tougher guys kept vanishing from my roster, so I couldn't summon them, and I was not able to complete the higher levels with just the lower-level peon guys. So I had to stop. I, I could not make any progress, and it is literally a bug. So I hate to, I hate mm. to see that. I hate to say it. Um, if that bug hadn't have happened, I'd be singing this game's praises, and I would give it a very hearty recommendation because I thought it was great. I really loved it a lot. Great fit for the Switch. Great idea. Um, you know, a darker, more aggressive Pikmin, I think, is a great thing. Uh, but I, you got to wait. You got to wait. Last time I talked to them, the developers was a couple days ago, and they said the patch was still like a month out. Yeah, I so. bet they built it for PC first, right? So Absolutely. You Absolutely. don't have to wait if it's on Steam. You know, go pick it up on Steam. Yeah, um, yeah. I mean, it feels like a great Switch game. It's like bite-sized. Really, I think it handles great on Switch. But do not buy it for at least another month because it's not fixed. So if you do want to play it, and I love it. I mean, I think it's great. Check it out on PC for the time being, or otherwise, you know, wait like 30 days and the patch should be on Switch. So. I think you gave me two games today that I'm going to check out because I like this idea. I like ReVenture. Um, I'll probably buy both of them. And uh, I have a question about Seesaw. Yeah. I saw on the graphics there were some cards, though. There's no cards in this game, right? No, no, no. That's just how you select your um, your monsters. Like, it looks like you have cards. There's no cards. It's just like a menu where you go to the, the menu a deck of cards comes up and whatever card you pick and you can just choose them. There's nothing random about it. It's just, it's just the way they made their menu. Look, it looks like cards, but cards have okay. nothing to do with it. It's just like this card is a squid monster. And this one is like a crab monster and whatever. Like you just choose. There's no, there's no right. randomness. It's not a deck builder. There's nothing, there's no chance to it. It just looks like cards, but it's not cards. Okay, cool. Then I'm in. I, I was, sometimes I get scared when it's like, 
too many different genres like we were talking about. No, then, no, no. Like, it, no, it's no, no. just just imagine bloodthirsty Pikmin in a Cthulhu world, and it's simplified and streamlined, and that's exactly what this game is. I think this game is great, and I am heartbroken that this bug happened because I really want to recommend this to everybody, and I really wanted to finish it. I was loving my time with it, and I just I couldn't progress. So well, you'll be I, able to when the update comes out. Yeah, I will definitely come back to it. Hopefully, I can keep my save. I'm a little bit worried that I may have to start a brand new game, which would be kind of a bummer. But I would do it because I like it. But hopefully, they'll get it patched and everything fine. Anyway, Sea Salt, I loved it. Uh, check it out in a month or check it out on PC now. I think it's great. I'm um, gonna um, start it so that I can like be ahead of you. <laughs> you will probably finish the game before I do. I oh. probably so. Probably so. Um, all right, so we have a couple. We have two more games left, and then we've got your closing segment, Carlos. Let's talk about the Outer Worlds for a second. Uh, we talked about it on the last show. It had just come out by that point. I had said I'm a big New Vegas fan. Uh, you had jumped into the game, and you were loving it, and I was uh, having a good time with it too. Uh, but we, at that point, neither one of us had finished it. So let's circle back. Carlos, why don't you take the lead on this? The Outer Worlds, did you finish it? Did you like it? Um, what are your thoughts? Um, also... Do we think we need to spoil anything about this, or can we can we keep it spoiler-free? I'm going to give you a quick summary of what I think. Uh, at the very end, I might say one thing that's a little spoilery, but it's so small that I think it's actually a pro tip. So maybe, okay, so do we so, think we need a spoiler warning, or you think we're okay without a spoiler warning? I'll, I'll do the spoiler warning when, it, okay, when it's enough, literally one All line, right. I'm just going to say. Um, and, yeah, jump in. Feel free to jump in as soon as I'm finished with my summary. You got um, it. But yeah, I think it, one of my favorite games of the year. Um, I've been waiting for uh, a game like this. Obviously, New Vegas. I love Fallout One. Um, Fallout One, you know, changed my life. It was one of my favorite experiences uh, on the computer because it really felt like I could do whatever I wanted. Um, anyway, so this game is smaller, right? It's not a massive, massive game. It has different worlds that you can go explore in this galaxy. Um, some that I didn't even get to because you don't have to to, to kind of finish the game. Uh, there's a million side quests, and there's a lot of factions and uh, ways that you can interact with those factions. I did a couple things. Again, we'll maybe do a spoiler cast, but I did some stuff that, you know, changed the fate of a lot of people <laughs> um, multiple times. I changed epic uh, sections of this world uh, or worlds. And that felt really good. Um, the companions are really fun and interesting. Pavardi, uh, who you know, because she's one of the main uh, first companions you get. Uh, very well written. I really cared about her. Um, I loved uh, her role. And there's not much of a spoiler in the fact that you can help her in her like relationship advice and kind of help her along uh, this relationship she wants to get in. Um, and it was really fun to do that. And yeah, in general, I'm a melee guy, so I built up my uh, melee one-handed ability to 100, which is the max. Um, so I was just like tearing fools' heads off, uh, which actually is kind of interesting because then that throws in a new dialogue option, right? So it's like, well, I'm not really afraid of this person because I know at any point I can take them out. So you're not like worried about like, oh, no, I better not piss off the guards because if you want to, you can just wipe out that whole section when you you know build your character that way um and, and some of the criticism i've heard from other podcasts is that it's not disco elysium which is a game that i really like uh it's not heavy duty it's not mental it's not making you think deep or something man um it's not trying to do that 
it's simple. It knows what it is. It's actiony. It's choosing the fate of different people and, and really having a outcome, you know, on a ton of the story. And it's relaxing and it's fun and it's just, it's perfect. It's perfect for if you want that type of game. I think it, it just nails it. And did you finish it? I assume you did. Yeah, yeah, yeah. And, and I have a spoiler about that. But what, what are your thoughts? Um, well, I was I started off being really high on it last time because I'm a huge uh, Obsidian fan. I, I really love New Vegas. That's one of my favorite games of all time. And I was really, really excited um, to play this. But I got to be honest with you, dude. I, I got into it and it just I just lost steam. I just really it did not click with me. And I felt like I was kind of doing the same thing again. Um, which sounds weird because you would think that like more of my favorite game of all time would be great. But I, I just was like, mm. I played New Vegas. I played like 120 hours in New Vegas. I did everything in New Vegas. And now that I'm playing this, I'm like, eh, it kind of feels like too. I mean, not, I don't want to say too similar because it's not exactly the same, but it just, it just did not grab me. Like it just did not light me on fire the way I thought it would. And after maybe. about maybe six hours, I was like, oh, I could put this down and I probably would forget about it. And I did and I did. And I just didn't come back to it. I just didn't uh, finish it. I was going to say, maybe it's like that thing we just said, like being in the mood for it. Maybe you were not in the mood for it. I mean, maybe. I mean, it's not I didn't have a problem with it. I didn't think it was bad by any means. I just I just wasn't engaged. I just did not capture my attention. I just wasn't interested enough to keep going. I mean, maybe that was my mood. Maybe it just wasn't the right game at the right time. Um, mm. but I just, I really fell off of it pretty quickly. And like, once I stopped playing it, I totally had forgot all about it. And I felt like no urge to come back to it at all. So I'm, I'm just, I just stopped and, um, it's on game pass for the time being, maybe it'll still be on game pass by the time I feel like I want to give it another shot. And it feels weird because I feel like this game was made for me, but I just, I don't know, man. I don't know. Like it just, maybe you can't go back home again. Maybe I just was in the mood for something else. Let me and ask again, you a question. Did you ever get out of Edgewater? Did I get out of Edgewater? Is that the first planet? Yeah, it's the main town that you're... I mean, there's there's multiple locations on each planet, by the way. It's not like one planet is one town. Right. So you, right, you can right. actually enter each planet like a few different ways, and then you get to see different sections of it. No, I, I, don't, I did not get very far. I was like exploring a little bit, tried to do a bunch of the side quests, ended up shooting a bunch of guys. I mean, I kind of like went through it, and it just, it just didn't spark. You know, like I, I kept kind of waiting for that little hook for me to kind of get into it and it just didn't click for me let me tell you two let me tell you a few hooks real quick and it, you it, again it might just be right now it might be like you said you can't go home and you've done the new vegas thing and it's like that's it i did that kind of thing but for me the couple hooks were one pavardi and the fact that you know um following her along and her her little companion quest is very very cool and it made me feel like tied to a character uh you meet a character named felix and he like wants to join your crew, but because he's so like nervous and he's not like the the normal like oh, I'm gonna kill everything. He's just a like little vagabond kind of guy, and he like has a speech, and he's like, listen, can I read this speech? And this is why I should join your crew. And so you can like let him like read the speech, and you can like keep letting him read more and more as much as you want, and. It's just so adorable. He's like, I I'm really good at, at doing this, and I'm not so good at this, but I'm trying real hard. And you're like, fucking get on this ship, dude. Um, <laughs> anyways, I felt good for him. And then the, the locales really changed it up for me because at some point you go to this fish planet, and they just have, like, it just smells really bad, and they make fish here called Saltuna. And there's a whole, like, 
other story going on there, like a big story. And I, I, I got involved with these characters named the Iconoclast. They were a faction. And they had this whole story about how they were revolutionaries and they wanted to change, you know, corporations. Essentially, this game is also about corporations because owns like most of things. And to, I love I'm a sucker for like, OK, go against the corporations. So there's a lot of like little things that and there's another planet is just a mining planet. So it's like all these asteroids floating around and you're just in the middle of space and robots. So the locales and, and the characters really brought me in. And, and I think as I got deeper, it got more interesting. I mean, I totally believe you. And I've, I have talked to people who who love this game. And, it, you know, again, it's not like I didn't it's not like I had any problem with it. I don't have a I don't have any criticism or anything. I mean, it, it very well may have been just the wrong game at the wrong time. Um, and I, I mean, it's, it sounds crazy to me to say that I'm not interested in an Obsidian game, but I'll have to come back to it. I mean, maybe, you know, a lot of people are like, yeah, it gets better once you get off the first planet and there's all these cool characters. Um, I just, I don't know. It just, it just didn't, didn't spark. So maybe I'll try it again at some yeah. point in the future. Yeah. There's just, there's so much to it and it definitely is. I'm, I'm sticking with my opinion that it's one of my favorite games of the year. So uh, you're not alone. You're not alone in that opinion. I've heard several people say the same thing. So. Yeah, so I guess uh, I'll come back to I'll come back to uh, uh, that at some other point. But we have one more game to talk about, Carlos, uh, which I think maybe we were going to be in a little bit more agreement on. Uh, this is called Citadel, Forged with Fire. Um, this was sent to us by a very nice PR person, and uh, it I, I got to be honest with you, I saw some trailers for it before I played it, and I wasn't exactly sure what it was about, but my my takeaway from the trailers was that it was going to be kind of like um, an Elder Scrolls sort of a game where it's kind of a first person RPG. It looked like there was some, you know, monsters and caves and that sort of thing. But then also it seemed like you built your own castle. And so maybe like maintaining the castle was kind of part of the game. You also from the trailer apparently got dragons. And so maybe dragon training was part of it. You get to ride the dragons and fly around. It seemed to be a pretty wide ranging and expansive RPG Elder Scrolls style again and I'm like okay well this seems pretty cool uh, I don't know when the next Elder Scrolls is coming out and I, I, I'm totally open with other people taking a stab at that formula so I would I'll give this a shot uh, so I downloaded this and I played it and I will be very honest with you Carlos I will be very honest with everybody listening to the show I played this game for about 17 minutes and then I thought I it was it 22 off. minutes you played how long no, I thought you said 22 minutes. Maybe it was 22. Okay, okay, so maybe 22 minutes at the most. How long did you play it for? 30. 30. Okay, so I, I don't know where to even to begin with this game, dude. I mean, we... Okay, so here's my experience. Like, you start the game. It starts off really fucking weird because there's all sorts of options to where you can increase or decrease the drop rates and the difficulty and the incidents of certain things happening. And I'm like, it's, it's almost like dev tools that are in the main menu. And I'm like, well, this is weird. I get to give myself 9,000% more experience. Why wouldn't I do that? Of course I want to do that. And I'm going to dial enemies damage way down and put my, my damage way up. And I'm going to goose it so that I play the easiest game possible. And I'll just check it out for the podcast and it'll be fun. Um, and then you started and it's like, would you, you know, starting a server? And I'm like, what? what? I know. I was like, don't, I don't want to start a server. I want to play a video game. That's what I said too. I don't want to start a server. I don't want to host other people. I just want to play the story mode. And it, it, so you eventually start the your own server, I guess. And then 
you're in your world. The tutorial is like awful. I got stuck on the tutorial and it was like the second thing they were like, yeah, in this game, you must harvest resources in order to build things. Please collect four sticks and three rocks. And I'm like, oh my God, where are the rocks and where are the sticks? I could not find them. And I start like walking around the world and I'm like, okay, I'm getting way too far. I'm like leaving the tutorial zone. It can't be this hard. It cannot be this difficult. I'm missing something. Um, so it took me a long time to find the sticks and the rocks, which are literally right there, but you can't see them. And you just, it's almost like a pixel hunt to find them. And then I'm like, okay, that was a bad start, but I'm going to keep going, see what happens. And then, so I go on the very first quest. The very first quest is like, hey, bring me some glowing mushrooms from like this, this stream that's like oh, right over there, right over there. You can see it from here. And I start walking over there and like a skeleton came out of nowhere. It totally one-shotted me and killed me. And I'm like, oh, are you that bitch? Are you this kind of game? Because I'm not playing this kind of game. I am not playing a kind of game where you got to level up by killing the potato bugs right outside your first camp for 19 hours before you're strong enough to survive one hit from a fucking skeleton. So I'm like, nope. And I just fucking, I noped out. What about you? Does that mirror your experience? Yeah, it's pretty similar. I mean, <laughs> it, I, I, fig- I found the sticks and rocks, but I couldn't find these like elderberries. There's some weird g- gingleberries. I forget what they're called. <laughs> gingleberries is pretty awesome. I think they were gingleberries. And fuck those gingleberries. They were nowhere to be found. Everything else was like pretty much right around you, you know? And then I, you had, I didn't, they don't tell you anything. Or they're really bad at telling stuff. Yeah, but the tutorial's awful. There's a shield around this castle for some reason, some sort of weird shield. And so I just thought, like, I can't go outside of that because most video games, when you see a shield or, like, shielding, you're like, well, that's going to hurt me or it's an invisible wall or something. Yeah, but, it looks like a big glowing energy field, right? Yeah, but you yeah, can go yeah. right through it. You can walk right the, right, right the fuck through it. So I did, and you had to walk through it to go down to the bottom of the in with the trees and everything to find those gingleberries. Um, by the way, those gingleberries are still really hard to find, even out there. Everything um, is really hard to find in this game. It's really and, shitty. Did you get one-shotted sh- by a skeleton, or what happened? No, I didn't get one-shotted by a skeleton, but I had to fight these boars that were out there. And I got you know, a million boars came after me, and I almost died, and then finally got the gingleberries. By the way, the very beginning, you pick up rocks. You also get experience points for picking up rocks, which I was like, I don't like that. It just bothers me for some reason. And then you can also chop wood. You can hit this tree and you get an axe at some point, chop wood. It gives you wood, but it also gives you experience points or something. I was like, what? And then you can hit the same rock like for, I don't know, an hour or something. And uh, it, it was just so clunky and old school. And it felt like, yeah, PC game, an online PC game from like the 90s or something or 2000s. Fuck. You know, I noticed that I noticed that when I was in the tutorial, I picked up a couple rocks. And when I finally found the rocks and the sticks... I leveled up like six times when I picked up the rocks and the sticks. And I'm like, what the fuck is going on? Yeah. Are you saying that like if you sit and just bash the same rock over and over, like you're constantly getting XP from that? Um, I, now I'm forgetting. But I know there was a tree. And if you keep hitting the tree, you could you could hit it for a long time. And you would just keep getting stuff. Oh, and you wouldn't just get wood. You get like random other things too. Like I feel like I hit a rock and got other things out of the rock. Um I don't know. I got XP for like everything, I feel like. And yeah, I leveled up by just like, as it is in life, picking up rocks. Just like walking around going like, ooh, I'm smarter. I figured I found another tree branch. Um, (laughs) Anyways, at some point there's these rocks that uh, are the tutorial rocks. They're like glowing rocks that tell you how to play the game or whatever poorly. 
You can also go to third person, by the way, which I did because it's hilarious. Oh, you, I didn't know you could do third person. Yeah, you go to third person, and it looks like you're wearing a diaper, and you're just running around <laughs> in your diaper looking for gingleberries. That sounds ten out of amazing. ten. You know, diaper wearing a diaper, looking for gingleberries, fighting boars. That's a seam review, ten out of ten. Oh man, I just you know like it looked so good in the trailer. Like anybody listening to this, if you feel like we're trashing this game unfairly, I mean. Go check out the actual the trailer that they released because the trailer's kind of badass. Like it, it kind of got me fired up for this. And the reality between, I mean, the difference between the reality of the game and the fiction of the trailer is pretty massive. Uh, maybe try try to find a YouTuber or streamer who's actually playing this game, and the game doesn't look anything like the trailer. And I was just like, man, what happened? This is a crazy. This is the craziest game. I don't understand what's going on. I so difficult to get through the tutorial so difficult to survive the first area uh i just i just don't know what these guys are doing like where have they been for the last 15 years of game design did you not see that other games have done the same thing and done it better like i just i yeah i mean 20 minutes ish and i was out and i'm never coming back to it it's funny because i love rbgs i love uh first person rbgs you do. Love, you do. when you said yeah, elder scrolls i'm like i'm in and then the first thing that threw me off was like you said that server thing i'm like no 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 I don't want any sliders. Just give me in the game. And I was like, maybe if I get in the game, and then I'm picking up rocks, getting XP points, and immediately I'm like, this is, I'm, it's off. There's something off. It's not finished. You know, it's not a, it's not a finished product. So yeah, whatever I it just, is. And I mean, is the point of it like, I mean, are you supposed to like host a server and then like they want you to engage in like multiplayer the whole time? Like I just didn't even understand what the game was even doing. Like, I know, I was maybe very it's unclear. Maybe you don't understand, and maybe it's just like a Minecraft thing where you're supposed to just like be stupid and have fun and get rocks and hurt other people and build things you know like i don't know maybe that's what this game is so if it is um maybe that's a reason why before i got to this podcast i checked steam and it's a top seller are you fucking kidding me yeah it's in new releases top seller section how the fuck i'm gonna have to go and read some of those reviews because i don't know i mean this game's terrible at communicating it and it it starts off really poorly i don't know i I just i was lost man i just didn't even know what to even do with this game so i'm gonna have to read some of the reviews and find out what is good about this game because i could not find it i and i'm mr optimism and i was like i'm out i'm out yeah i when when you told me you had played this game for like half an hour i knew that it was just as bad as i thought it was because you'll play anything dude and you like things like way more than i do yeah and if even carlos is out you know this game's got problems it's got definitely some issues i was out running for the hills all right that is citadel forged with fire a very brief and intense love affair um never to return um let's move on i think we're gonna wrap the show up we're almost done with the main section of the show we do have banter coming up uh but we have one more segment to wrap the official part of the show up the regular closing segment which is carlos's games coming up carlos what games are coming up yeah i usually have a ton here but right now it's only two uh because one is so massive and it's death stranding death stranding yes i've been playing since it came out uh launch window which is for the west coast was 9 p.m uh on that friday was it the 10th i think um been playing it for a while i have a lot of thoughts so that will be one coming up and also after party uh i've been waiting to play that i know you're not the biggest fan of oxen free but i am and i'm also very interested in all the comedy i hear pretty good reviews of the dialogue uh in this game so i will be talking about that uh probably next episode 
Right on, right on. Yeah, so After Party is, yeah, like you said, it's from the people who made Oxenfree, except this time, I mean, from what I gather, I haven't played it, and I probably won't until it goes on Super Super Sale, but you, you're you in hell or something, and you have to, like, mix drinks and drink your way out of hell or something like that? Is that correct? Yeah, it's just, there, I don't think there's really much gameplay in the fact that you can definitely make mixed drinks, and I hear that it kind of changes some dialogue options, but more about it is just, like, going through the story um and yeah there's definitely choose your own adventure and you can get different outcomes but it's more about the writing and the comedy and you're trying to out drink the devil essentially to you and your friend need to like escape hell uh and the only way you can do that is by drinking a lot with demons and dancing and also trying to outsmart the devil and all that sounds great to me so yeah i'm excited Looking forward to your thoughts on that. And just, I mean, I don't know how it plays out in the game, but I would not bet on a human being out drinking the devil. That seems like a losing proposition to me. Well, um, you should watch Disenchantment, by the way, which is something for banter, but... Oh, yeah, we can talk about it. Yeah, I actually have seen Disenchantment. We can talk about that if you want. Um, but also, just to follow up on your Death Stranding, I, uh, I picked it up. It's one of the rare games that I paid full price for because Ooh. we are on Sony's uh, shit list. Game Critics has been blacklisted uh, from the Sony PR list, so I had to pay full price for that one. I wasn't sure I was going to, but it seemed like one of the biggest games of the year, definitely, and I wanted to be part of the conversation and wanted to check it out, and I'm very familiar with Kojima's stuff. I mean, I've played, I think, all of his games. Um, So I have thoughts as well. We can save those for the next show. Let's not get into it now, but I have put... I mean, I've been playing it since it dropped, uh, like the moment it unlocked on my PS4, so I've put a pretty... Pretty fair amount of time into it, so I bet we're going to have a lot to talk about on the next episode. We will. Excellent, excellent, excellent. All right, folks, this brings us to the end of the show. Thank you very much for listening, and Carlos and I will be back next week. Don't forget, we are now going weekly, so you will hear from us again real soon. In the meantime, as always, we want your questions and comments, your thoughts and your feedback. Uh, Contact info is still the same. It's sovideogamespodcast at gmail.com. You can also post comments for us at GameCritics.com once the show goes up. We are on uh, Twitter, collectively, at Video Games, but you can reach us individually. Carlos, where can people find you in the vast network of social media that is our current world? Uh, sorry, I was just looking up one of my URLs. <laughs> <laughs> You've got so many social media and URL. You had to like you had to do research on yourself before I did you close out the show. Uh, my Twitter is O-N-A-W-A, Onawa. You can hit me up there. Uh, I have a lot of things, which is the podcast called A Lot of Things. Just find that on any podcast uh, format, and that will be a new episode that's going up this week. And I'm also doing, um, yeah, if you just go to youtube.com slash a lot of things, that's my YouTube channel. So there's like a bazillion videos there that are interesting. Well, I shouldn't say that. That are videos. You might yeah, find there are them videos interesting. there. <laughs> you might find them interesting, Yeah. Uh, and then also I'm doing a live show uh, in Seattle um, regularly, but I'm not sure when yet, but I'll give you more info on that next episode. Excellent, excellent. Sounds good. Well, you got you got a lot of stuff on your plate, man. You're doing stuff. I am always doing stuff. There is always There was a lot of Carlos to go around, and we're glad to have it. You are a great guy, and I, I'm glad to see you being so active and producing so much stuff. So, folks, if you want more Carlos, then, then you get on this show. There's plenty of Carlos out there. Too, some might say too much. I don't know if that's possible. I don't know if that's possible. I think think it is. Ah, Well, we'll see. Anyway, my social media info, same as it always ever is. It's uh, Twitter and Instagram. It's my name, B-R-A-D. 
G-A-L-L-A-W-A-Y, all A's, no O's. And that is it for us, folks. Thank you again for joining us on the So Video Games Podcast. We'll be back next week. Next week. Also, there is some banter after the, the music here, so please stay tuned for that. In the meantime, this is Bye from Brad. And Kanbanwa from Carlos. All right, so we're in banter, and I'm going to put in my Invisalign because this is part of my banter. So, Carlos, tell us what is an Invisalign. Um, so, Invisalign is to correct your teeth. It's like braces, but without the braces. And they're two different um, plasticky things that are molded exactly to your teeth. Uh, and basically, I'm getting them because there's a couple things I want to fix, but mainly I'm closing gaps where I have missing teeth. I have a couple uh, missing ones that are really important, and I'm getting implants in them, uh, in those sections, but the sections are too big. So basically these um, Invisalign are helping close those gaps because that's crazy that we can actually move teeth, um, specifically with little pieces of plastic, but they also are attached lately to these buttons they put on your teeth. So they put this like, um, I don't know what the material is, but these little, kind of hard buttons uh, on your teeth, on certain teeth, and then your Invisalign trays actually go up and kind of get uh, held in place a little bit more by those. Does that make sense? Yeah, yeah. I mean, I, I kind of, it's like a, maybe not like a retainer or maybe like a bite guard or something like that sort of a thing. Yeah, it's similar. And yeah, yeah. The, the idea is, which I'm not super down with, is that once I've finished this process, which is about five months or six months, um, they'll be in the right place to get the implants. But also they say that I have to wear something at night forever. And I'm like, I don't think I want to do that. But most people who tell me who get this, they say, oh, yeah, yeah, no, I just I just, I go to bed with it every night. But I'm like, if you're moving teeth and the, the fear is that at some point they're going to go back, like maybe it's not the right process. Well, you know, I mean, there's a lot of factors in that, dude. I mean, full disclosure here, and I don't think I've ever brought this up on the show before, but I do wear a bite guard every night. So I had to go through that process of, I mean, I never had Invisalign or braces, but um, I was grinding my teeth at night and it was causing me like um, jaw pain and headaches and it was ruining my teeth. And so I had to start wearing a bite guard and it's kind of, I just got to wear it for like the rest of my life. So I had, you know, it was hard to get used to at first, um, but once I got a week in or so I stopped noticing it that much and I do wear it every night. So, I mean, if it's something that you need to keep your teeth, right, I mean, teeth are important. I mean, they make you look attractive to other people. You need them to eat food. I mean, it looks weird well, if you don't have them health wise. That's the biggest reason people yeah. don't understand how important it is. And I'm doing everything I can do to fix my mouth because, you know, I'm also lucky enough to have a little bit of insurance and also a little bit of money from a paycheck that I can put towards this and it's expensive as shit. So, no, I'm doing it. It's just that I feel like if you're moving teeth, that's the, not like I'm not grinding my teeth at night, which, you know, is a real issue, too. But I'm, they're just moving them. I just feel like if you move them once, you should be get it. They should stay there. That's all. I'm a little I mean, it would be that. nice if that's that happened. But, you know, nothing in life is permanent, dude. Everything changes. And that includes teeth. And I mean, I mean, 
in the wild, if, if an animal's teeth goes bad, that animal's about to die. Like animals don't live without teeth. So I, for us, we are also animals. Really important to keep those teeth maintained. And if you got to get them implants, which are oh. not cheap. I've looked into that, dude. That is not cheap. I know. And I mean, you know, you got to maintain those. And if you got to wear something to maintain them, I mean, that's what you got to do to protect your investment, dude. Listen, I'm hustling out here. I'm doing freelance gigs. <laughs> I'm making it work. So I got these and I have, um, yeah, I think that there's a little device also that you can, uh, I'm going to get in a month or so, that cuts the time in half. And you basically um, bite down on this thing. It's got infrared light in it and it cuts down the time of your Invisalign almost by half. So if anybody who's out there is going to do this and you are worried about how long it takes, because it is weird and a kind of a thing to get used to, uh, look into that. It's called OrthoPulse, and uh, <laughs> I, I'm going to get it. What? Is that funny? It's No, I mean, I'm, I'm laughing, but it's not anything you said. I was just imagining, like, if we finally invented time travel, but it was a machine that only, like, went inside your mouth. And so that's... You know, you put a little machine in, you bite down, and like it accelerates time for your your mouth, but nothing else. That's so kind of what it's doing. Up. You know, your teeth are aging at a at a pace much quicker. Oh than my the rest goodness, of your that body. is it's like a future. It's a forward in time device for your teeth. What a, what a pathetic time travel device! If that's if that's what it ended up being, is like it just it speeds up your mouth, but nothing. Yeah. Else. Well, hey, I'm gonna like it because I don't want these things in my mouth too much longer. So I will say one more thing about this, and I'm gonna put them in because I I'm way over time to put them in. But um, in the beginning, if you're gonna do it, you you freak the fuck out. I actually talked to some of my friends who did too, because you go, especially if you're sensitive. I'm I'm a sensitive person, and he I, I everything is like I don't know exaggerated for me, and so you feel the something on your fucking mouth and you're on your teeth, and you're like, no, I can't live like this. Like yeah, you think yeah, you've yeah. made a mistake. Like I'm like, oh, well, I can't. I've got to tell them I'm gonna quit this. You know, and. <laughs> And what happens is the beginning of each new tray, it does make your teeth a little sore and it because it's obviously fucking trying to move them a little and it feels tighter on your mouth. And then as you get through that tray, it gets looser. And so then you, you don't it's not as crazy, you know, and also you do start for not forgetting fully, but you're like, OK, with them in there. And I swear, like just yesterday and I'm about eight, nine days in. I did forget they were in my mouth because I was like, oh, I better put my Invisalign in. And they were already in. So it, it it's it's tricky. And if you're trying to do it, I would just say the very beginning is definitely the toughest. Oh, yeah, that sounds tough. I know I know what you mean, though, because it was like that when I started doing my, my bike guard the very first time. It feels really invasive and like like painfully noticeable. And it's really hard to get used to it. Um, but, you know, yeah, I mean, I mean, the weird thing about human beings is they can get used to fucking anything. So like if you give them long enough and give them enough reason to, they'll get used to anything. So yeah, I mean, you can, you can have something in your mouth, go to sleep with this giant chunk of plastic in your mouth. And after a while it feels normal and fine. So yeah, I hear yeah. I hear what you're saying. So I've already put them in. So they're in and see if you can, um, <clears throat> in the very beginning, I sound a little different, but I'm getting pretty, pretty much a lot better at it. I'm sorry. What'd you say? Oh, ah. son of a bitch. Just kidding. I yeah, no, I think, I think, yeah, I think it's weird because the longer you leave them out, the more you have to readjust to them, you know? Yeah, yeah. Anyways. Well, it's true. I mean, you know, they, they got to get your teeth in sh- in shape. And if you don't put them in, the teeth go back out. And then it feels weird when you put them back in. I mean, it makes sense. It makes sense. So do you have a, a banter thing you want to talk about? I have a million things of banter. I'm just going to give a couple real quickly because um, I know we've been recording for a while. Um, 
I just want to give a quick shout out to uh, my friend Alex Connolly, last name C-O-N-N-O-L-L-Y. Uh, he is um, an artist who loves robots and mech suits and all sorts of mechanical stuff, just like I do. And he is a wonderfully talented artist. He, I met him on Twitter. We are both fans of Helldivers, which we talked about last episode. Um, that's how we met. He was a huge Helldivers fan. I am also a huge Helldivers fan. We connected somehow and you know over our love of the game and then we just started talking and we've been friends on twitter for a while uh, but he has a patreon where he does he's got this little um side project called motor pool where he does like different mechanical drawings of robots and mech suits and giant like futuristic construction vehicles and stuff every month it's a very reasonable patreon um, and he'll send you like little postcards of pictures and little things that you can frame and stuff every month um, I didn't realize he had it going until just recently, so I'm going to sign up and get that going. But I want to give him a shout-out because uh, I think he's a great artist. He's a great guy, super pleasant um, to work with because I have commissioned him a couple times to do some original art for me. He did a Helldivers poster uh, for me and my family, which is like hanging in a place of honor inside our house. It's a wonderful poster. If you go to the Helldivers website, it's, it's posted on their fan page there. Uh, and also, he just uh, I just commissioned him to do a mug for me. I wanted a, uh, a mug featuring the mech suit from Helldivers. I don't know if you remember it, Carlos, but it's this really big, blocky, uh, weird, like, janky-ass-looking mech suit. But it is so cool, and it's so fun to drive around in it. And I just, I love that mech suit so much. He drew a custom picture, and I made a mug out of it. So Oh, cool. Uh, yeah, he's the best artist. I love his art. I want to pay him to draw me something, like, every day. I'm not that rich, though. Uh, but he's a cool guy. Check out his Patreon, Alex Connolly, and he is also on Twitter. I think it's Alex underscore Connolly. I'm pretty sure. Give him a follow and see. Check out his stuff if you like robots and mech suits. Good, good stuff. Cool. Yeah, I, I like the. Um, I, I'm very much a fan of the Patreons who are like keep making stuff, you know, and like you're like, oh, it's not that much money, and I'm still getting this cool, cool stuff. Yeah, it's weird too because I originally never thought I would ever Patreon anybody. But I think I'm patronizing, which sounds bad, but I mean, that's actually the right word. Uh, I am actually patronizing, I think, three different people. I'm patronizing one person who is a political commentator, and I don't remember what her name Alexandra Aaron, I think she's on Twitter. Uh, I don't know if you follow her or not, but really sharp political commentary. I really like appreciate the nuggets of wisdom that she drops, and so I kick her like five bucks a month just because I really appreciate what she has to say, and I, I want more voices like her on Twitter. Um, page, I will be patronizing Alex Connolly after we get done with the show. I need to sign up for his. And I am putting money into the DuckFeed Network. Do you listen to the DuckFeed podcast at all? I don't. I love those guys. Gary Butterfield and Cole Ross. They originally started with uh, Bonfireside Chat, but they do like a million shows. They do retro game shows. They do comedy shows. They do shows that are not about games. They do shows that are about TV. I mean, they do, I mean, they do all sorts of shit and they make enough uh, money on their Patreon that they can podcast full time, which is cool. Um, I've met both of them multiple times and Gary actually doesn't, he lives in Portland. So I see him every once in a while in Portland uh, when I go down for the retro video game expo. Good guy. Love their podcast. It's really good stuff. And I'm happy to kick them 10 bucks a month because I listen to them probably more than anybody else in the potto sphere and i feel like it's worth it um to keep those guys making content so i never thought it would be a patreon person but i guess i kind of became one after a while do you do you patreon anybody yeah a couple uh, podcasts here and there um i think that you know i'm gonna restart mine at some point but it's just still a tricky tricky situation you know like how much content do you have to put out how much do people expect 
how much do you pay for it? Because it's such a open ended thing. Yeah. It's kind of tricky for people to like just jump on board. And then it's also tricky for the content creator because they're like, well, what do I, how much do I make? You know? Yeah. Um, I think it's still not like the best system, but um, I, if I find people that I want to support, I always try to in, in any way I can. Yeah. I mean, it's tough to make a buck these days. I know everybody has a job or they've got like nine side hustles or something's going on and just times are really tough and American uh, economy is a nightmare. And there's, you know, we could talk for years about how fucked up our system is, but yeah, I try to kick a couple bucks to people who I really value. I mean, I'm not a rich guy either, so I can't afford that much, but you know, I figure every buck helps and just to let people out there know that you appreciate them is great. Oh yeah. Um, but I mean, yeah, it's true. Cause I think on the other side of that, I mean, I think there is kind of, it can go sour, right? Cause I think people can start to feel like they're your boss or like, like you owe them something, you know what I mean? Like rather than, rather than kicking somebody a buck because you appreciate what they do. I think that there's a possibility that people will be like, well, I kick you five bucks. I expect X amount of things every month and I expect these things and I think it can kind of go bad. So that's, yeah, that's it's, a, it's a slippery slope, right? It's in between. So like if you, you buy a game, you go, well, they worked really hard on that for how many years or whatever. And I, it's a purchase. I, you know, transactions easy. It makes sense. You did this. I, I'm going to pay you this and that's it. Um, if you're a fan of somebody and they don't put in an album for like five years, they don't make a video game for a long time and you're still paying them, you're like, but that doesn't make sense, you know? Yeah, yeah. So it's just a weird kind of mindset where it doesn't, um, it's not how we've been doing it, you know, so far. So maybe there's, a, I think there's another way that we'll find, maybe it's not here yet. Does that make sense? Yeah, I get you. I mean, I agree. I mean, I don't think Patreon is perfect. And I, I also think a lot of it kind of rests on the attitude of the people who are being the patrons. Because, I mean, like you said, like, I think we're just used to having... A, a transactional relationship with most things that we interact with not like you know unless we're talking about like personal relationships or something but usually you buy something you own it but i mean that's changing not only in this patreon relationship but also like in in a lot of things like you know we don't really own things anymore i mean you buy a game i mean who buys a game it's like you think you buy a game but what you bought is a license to download and play a game which can be revoked later in the future you know you may you may buy a disc of a game, but then you need the online service to approve it before you can play it. So maybe you can't even play it. I mean, we don't really like own things or we own less things in that sense anymore. Right. So I think culturally we need to kind of shift that thought, but also like, I mean, what, what is the relationship of someone where, I mean, maybe there were patrons back, like, you know, you hear about like a uh, Leonardo da Vinci or, you know, like those guys back in the day who they were painting things and it was like, Oh, the rich, you know, landowners of the, of the time, were their patrons. They paid them to like paint these paintings and to be an art dude, like walking around in, in those times. We got away from that system for like hundreds of years and now we're kind of coming back to it in a way, which is weird. It's going to take some adjustment period. It's, it has to do with digital and digital currency. And it, it's, I think it's just not here yet. You know what I mean? I, I feel like a lot of things were in a, in between space for a lot of digital yeah. future stuff. I mean, think about Bitcoin. People are like, what the fuck's Bitcoin? Why is it $8,000? for one Bitcoin, I don't understand the future. And, uh, <laughs> you I know, mean, fuck I, Bitcoins, but yeah, I totally agree with what you're saying. I get, yeah, you're it's saying. just like, there's something else that's coming up and we aren't there yet. And I think that'll help, uh, with creativity and stuff like that and supporting them. Well, you know, that kind of gets to a larger question of just like human beings in general. I mean, we are very clever monkeys and I mean, it's been said many times by people much smarter than me, but it's like, you know, we are not able to keep up culturally as fast as we are with technology and so like we you know we're so clever 
with tech and with gadgets and making things and, and programming, we're so smart in that stuff. We can make computers do anything these days. Uh, but we are not equipped as people to handle the ramifications of that and to make sure that we do it in a safe way. I mean, think about like, you know, deep fakes or something like that, where you can um, make anybody look like they're doing anything and make them sound like they're saying anything. And then that's great for like special effects purposes. But what happens when it's being used to like falsify evidence against a crime? Or what if somebody puts out, um, you know, political advertising where someone's saying something that they're not really saying or something? I mean, as a society and as a culture, we're not ready for that. We're not adapting quickly enough to how fast technology is moving. I think we are we are monkeys and we are getting ourselves into a lot of trouble right now. Oh, yeah. And there's a book I read uh, a while ago that explained that we're in shock still um, f with technology. We really don't understand um, the shock that we're in. We just kind of go with it. We're like, yeah, we'll have a new phone. Yeah, we'll have this new capability of technology, but we don't understand it. And we're like really close to uh, quantum computers, or at least not close, but we just reached uh, quantum supremacy. So we're, we're getting closer to understanding qubits and what quantum computing could mean. But we're like, do you understand what goes on in your phone? Probably not. I don't think people even understand that, um, what's that stuff called? The, uh, or the electrons jump from one area to the next. Uh, I'm not a physics guy, I don't know. Dude. I know, and I'm, I am, oh, I forgot what it's called. But anyways, there's so much stuff that's going on in your phone, we don't even know, you know? So like, yeah, I wholeheartedly agree with that. I think technology's flying by and um, we have to like solve some basic ass shit, which by the way is a perfect segue for how humans react and act because I'm reading this book called Humans, A Brief History of How We Fucked It All Up huh. by Tom Phillips. And I highly recommend every human being read this book. It's funny for one thing. Uh, he's a comedian and an author and a scholar. Uh, but he's also just basically saying like, hey, you know, here is how we uh, act as humans. Here's our foibles. Here's our problems. And here's how we should probably be better. So it's not just a downer book. Uh, similar to what's that book that came out? Um, uh, what we're all fucked or something? Damn it! Uh, <laughs> I don't. I don't know that I know the one you're talking about. But everything's ahead. fucked. I don't know. There's another word with the another book with the word fucked in it. But this is very good, and I want to read actually a section out of it. I don't know if this has ever been Ooh, done. This podcast. first time we've ever had a reading here in the Soviet Games podcast. I know. Okay. And I'm, and I'm sitting by a fire fireplace, and I'm smoking a pipe. I feel smarter already. Well, it's important because we talk a lot about politics and, and this country and the things that are going on. This, I think, is the fucking answer. So <clears throat> back to that thing, how we're kind of not processing things and we're not like looking at the basic problems. Instead, we're just going with the new toys and the new ideas. This book talks a lot about um, how us as humans process things. And I'm just going to read two quick sections. With my Invisalign in, so I apologize. Uh, yeah, please, yes. Um, before I began researching this book, I thought that confirmation bias was a major problem. Uh, and everything that I read since then convinces me I was right, which is exactly the problem. Our brains hate finding out they're wrong. Confirmation bias is our annoying habit of zeroing in on laser, like a laser-guided missile on any scrap of evidence that supports what we already believe and ignoring the possibly much, much larger piles of evidence that suggests we might have been completely misguided. Um, in this other section, it gets worse. 
our brain's resistance to the idea that it might have screwed up goes deeper. I guess it, your brain doesn't really want to know that it's wrong, like inherently. Yeah. You'd think that once we made a decision, put it in action, and actually seen it start to go horribly wrong, we would then at least become a bit better at changing our minds. No. There's a thing called choice support, choice supportive bias, which basically means that once we've committed to a course of action, we cling on to that idea that it was the right choice, like a drowning sailor clinging to a plank. So this is a really huge thing that's going on right now with the GOP and the whole thing in oh, this country. Yeah, you t- tell me about it, dude. Like, obviously, obviously. But, but, I, but it isn't obviously. Like, there's so many people who don't understand how their innards work. And, like, it's such a simple thing to fix. Like, just look at around you, look at evidence, and look at yourself differently. If you didn't know that our bodies and our minds, like, think one thing and then try to support it, then you just think that you're right still. Do you know what I mean? Yeah. I mean, that's a, I, I totally get what you're saying. And I think that that section you read is correct. I mean, it makes perfect sense um, where, you know, people will just keep doing something bad because they don't want to be wrong or they just can't. I mean, I mean, it just kind of boils down to like not being OK. Well, OK. Fuck. I got so many things to say. You're, you open this giant can. Of I know. I didn't want to open the box, but it's just I opened it a little bit. We're not going to be able to get through all this stuff because I can't be here all day. We can't. I mean, we're going to have to eat at some point. Um, but like uh, so two things, like two things. I think one. One one thing is that there are just a lot of shitty people in the world. I don't think that there's they're not the majority. I don't think that they uh, really define who we are as a people and as a country. But there's some people and they're just shitty fucking people. Some people are just garbage and there's no two ways about it. That, that's one thing. The other thing is I think there are a lot of people who would rather die than be wrong. I mean, I think that's very true. I meet people sometimes who will fucking fight tooth and nail and just go to the mat and just say whatever crazy shit and it'll just get worse and worse they just don't want to be wrong and they just don't want to admit any any flaws and that's another big problem too i mean i'm actually thinking of a situation that happened to me just last night where someone was being a complete fucking asshole and all they had to do was like ease up a little bit and they wouldn't because it meant that they might lose the argument or they might be wrong you know and it was like there's just there's no real way to like deal with those people you know like you hope those people are gonna have an epiphany you think they'll have a breakthrough and they'll come around and they'll just, you know, oh, I'm sorry. I, that was out of control. And that was they can read this book. Choice, but, you know, very rarely does that happen in my experience. Yeah, they need to. Well, I, that, that's why I joked about earlier. People do need to read more. I, people have to look inward more. I mean, that's how that's how you evolve. I mean, what, what are we here for to connect to experience and to evolve? That's what I think. And you can't do that by just doing the same things. Um, supporting your same biases and not listening you know you have to listen and you have to try to understand more and um, yeah and reading helps oh my goodness people don't read I mean okay so you're again opening like another giant can of worms I mean I feel like this is going to piss a lot of people off dude and we don't have to like dive into this at all like we can touch on it real briefly and then we can move on if you want to but like you know, I know people who listen to the podcast know that I'm a homeschooler and I, I homeschool for very intentional reasons. But if you look at the state of public education in America, it's like you're not there to learn anything. You're there to I mean, the only thing you really learn is like obedience, right? Like they want you to be obedient to the teacher in the classroom. They want you to be obedient to the system. They don't really want you to think for yourself. They don't really want you to like think about ethics and about what's you know social justice. And they don't want you to think about how our government works and how things are really broken and how if you thought about it for two seconds, you would realize the system is fucked up 
And, you know, there's all these things that we are not, we're taught to not think about. And after having this system in place for decades and decades and decades, we've just ended up with a population that doesn't think about anything except what they're fed. And so we're totally seeing the ramifications of that right now where, you know, people can't tell what is true and what is false. I mean, Trump gets on and says one thing and people are confused and no one can, you know, hold them accountable for anything because it's just this giant tornado of misinformation and people are just so used to being told what to do and what to think they can't really sort through this mess for themselves. And like, this is where we end up. It's a yeah. big fucking problem that I don't think there's an easy solution to, but I think part of it is people being unwilling to think and unwilling to, you know, really challenge the establishment that we have, which I mean, as we see right now, huge fucking problem. Yeah. But you, know, it's funny. And this is a kind of my end cap to this is that the problem can be solved pretty quickly because there is a system in place flawed as it is that could be like well this and this is the reason why we're going to do this and impeach a president or create a new law or whatever right so there's a process there right so what makes the process go humans because if we're not here then the you know animals are just running around going like why'd they have those laws uh (laughs) but because we do we're the ones who change it right so and that's not voting because voting is a big part of it but what I'm saying is, here's how you fix it, is you have to waken, you would wake up other people. So the people in the GOP, a ton of them aren't, aren't probably assholes. They're probably just so ignorant to the situation in their own head and to the issues or whatever. And yeah, some of them are shitty, but there's a bunch that could literally sway things because that's how we have it set up in this country. We can like make popular votes. We can make uh, things change. So... For me, I think the, the, the in quotes easy answer is to educate more people. I don't know if that's like a new Game of Thrones show that they learn something from because people only watch TV shows or it's a, a bestseller that somehow goes around or something that goes viral. But like, I don't know. I feel like education is literally the key. And I don't mean by school, although your points are very um, prescient, is it's like how do we mass uh, tell people to wake up like the matrix style, you know, like, Hey, 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 you're going about it all wrong. Um, and if you just wake up, you can like change this whole system. I mean, I agree, dude. I agree. 100%. It's going to take more than school system. It's going to take, you know, I mean like, you know, activism, people are going to have to like realize there's another way. Like we don't have to just keep participating in what's going on and we don't have to like take all this stuff at face value. We don't have to, respect the office of the president when the person in that office is like a a racist and a a sexual predator and a a Russian stooge. I mean, we can do, we can do other things, but as a people, we're so used to just following the rules and doing what people in power say that it's, it's, you know, they're taking this all the way to the bank, but I agree. I mean, I agree. If there's gotta be, there's gotta be a popular culture movement. There's gotta be like your favorite movie stars, your favorite musicians have to stand up and that's gonna like motivate more people to pay attention and to like sway the popular opinion. Um, I will counter really quickly, though. I think that if you're a Republican at this stage in the game, you're a scumbag. You're uh, a scumbag and there's no redeeming anybody that that could have been true at the beginning when Trump got in and people were kind of thinking, oh, maybe he's not going to be that bad or maybe we'll 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 teach him how to act presidential. But at this stage of the game, after all these years, I think it's pretty clear where he lands. And if you support that guy, you're just as guilty. So I will not give any Republican a pass right now. Oh, no, that's fine. And I don't really mean to pass. I just mean, like, I'm just looking at motivations, right? So, and another thing they talk about in this book is obviously greed. And greed 
um, clouds so much vision. It's ridiculous. Oh, so much. Yeah, um, absolutely. It doesn't for me. I, I don't think I've ever had that in my life. It's, it's crazy, but I'm honestly saying that I, I don't, I just want to be, um, you know, well fed and, and have somewhere to live and, and connect with people. And that's like my main thing. But, um, for so many people, it's the thing that, you know, shrouds, uh, yeah, absolutely. their vision. Absolutely. So I think that's a huge part of it. And if you get rid of that though, it's like a math equation. Yeah. That person's fucking being an asshole, but it, is there a way to fix that person because you get rid of the greed somehow? I don't know. Like, I don't know if that's like, say we get rid of wealth, right? Now we're way down a rabbit hole, but we get rid of wealth. <laughs> and then, you know, there's not just socialists, but there's a new thing that we came up with that says like, everybody's fine and, you know, you can't get too rich or whatever, you know, but everybody's fine. Then those people who are motivated by greed, you know, what do they do? Um, so there's there's so much to think about, but I recommend everybody read this book, uh, Humans, A Brief History. Brief history of how we fucked it all up. I mean, it it sounds like a negative title, but it's actually a very important book for everybody to read right now. Sounds like an interesting one. I will check it out. I have no time at all to read, but maybe there's an audio book I can listen to while I'm driving around. Perhaps. And I can read it to you on this podcast. Like I do. Okay, we'll start. Just page one. Go. I mean, not right now. Let's do it later. Oh, not now. Okay, okay, later. Okay. I'm hungry. That's uh, yeah, I got to get a sandwich. All right. I think this is probably a good, a good place to wrap it up. Um, and let's uh, sign off and we'll do it again next week. All right, man. Always fun talking to you. And uh, thanks for listening, whoever listened to this, because it's maybe. at the end of the show. I know. Just as a quick just as a quick little side note, I know that uh, Corey and I tried to veer away from the political for a few reasons. I know Corey was never too comfortable talking about it. And a lot of people have told us that they do come to the show as a means of escape from the horrors of reality. So I get that. And I want this to still be a place that people can come to and chill out and relax and hear about games. But I do suspect that you and I will probably talk about politics a little bit more than Corey and I did. It will, but I want to tell you one thing, and this should be uh, helpful for anybody listening. Again, still, I, I applaud you <laughs> at two plus hours, whatever. But um, I will always come at it with, you know, as much as I can optimism, I'll still have anger because I'm a human being. But I think it's it's less about me going like this side is right because that's what I just told you and everybody is the wrong way to do it, right? I'm not going I'm not going like Democrats, Republicans, this liberals, Elizabeth Warren, man, and shaking my fist. It, it's not about that. I think that oh, I'm putting myself down a quick rabbit hole. It's so simple to do that, and that is what's damaging the humans on the planet that are still here. We're all like bringing things down to such a simple level because in our nature, you know, when we're uh, running around the forest trying to make a stick to stab something with, like that's how it was helpful. We we're like, well, I got all these decisions. What do I do? Well, I should probably just stab that saber tooth tiger and that, you know, we'll do this one thing. We're trying to simplify things and that's because it's in our nature. But that doesn't mean we have to stay that way. We could evolve and actually think of things from many different angles. And so that's what I would hope to bring in some of this banter. Never a, oh, no, they're talking politics. Because then again, that's simplifying it. See what I'm saying? I mean, I, I, I agree. And I think that's an admirable goal. And I can definitely get on board with that. I mean, I think if nothing else, I would love for people to, after they, you know, participate in our lovely games chat and, and, and hear all the different uh, fun and interesting takes that we hopefully bring and, you know, maybe open them up to some new game experiences. I, 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 mean, I hope that people would like listen to what we say and take something of value away from that. I mean, I'm not here to 
tell people what to think, although I actually kind of am. Um, but <laughs> other than that, I mean, like you said, like if we can open somebody's eyes to get them thinking about something, to get that brain working in a new way, to see something in a new perspective, I mean, I think that's very valuable. And I hope, you know, we've got great listeners. We've got a great, I mean, we get email from people and I hear from people on Twitter and we've got a wonderful um, listener base. Everybody that listens to our show is amazing. So I know that they're totally. good people. And if we can just kind of shed a little bit of light on these things, I mean, I, I think I, we should call that a win. Cool. Cool, cool, cool. All right, it's time for turkey sandwich, my friend. All right, and I don't know what I'm going to eat, but something. Okay, bye, bye everybody. <laughs> All right, bye. <laughs>